As calm as can be. There you go. As calm as can be. Check it out, y'all. <laughs> Mish is with me. Anthony Missionary Thomas of Wrestling Soup. Thank you very much for having me on, Corey. Yeah, dude. I I've uh I've been I've been thinking like man it's it's to me been something I I felt has been really important for me to want to have a conversation with you on the record at some point because to me I really like to have conversations with people sincerely that have meant something to me in some way or the other. Oh wow. And I I, I don't um I don't I don't know if I told this to you or not but I I kind of feel like I have but now that now that I have this opportunity and uh, we have this space and I want to make sure you, you feel very welcomed in this space. So so before I say anything else, please feel very welcome and very safe. I'm excited to be having a conversation with you. Thank you, Good. Corey. I, you know what? Kind of kind of likewise. I think this is kind of cool to be able to talk to a man that uh, inadvertently was a part of my history as well growing up. Oh, yeah? Uh, the CZW stuff with Sick Nick Mondo being around during the Backseat Boys and stuff like that. I can almost pick your brain about the period of wrestling that I really fell in love with. So, yeah. Oh, man. I, I would love yeah. to give you the opportunity to do that. But first, I want to acknowledge uh, how um, discovering your uh, Wrestling Suit podcast. Yeah. Probably in 2011, 2012. Oh, wow. Yeah. Okay. Uh, it really helped me a lot in a, in a, a very down point in my life. And, uh, and it, it, really, it really helped me discover podcasting. Uh, and podcasting has been such a major part of my life. So for the, the part that you've played in that, uh, I want to, I I on the record, make sure I, make sure I thank you and, and uh, tell you that I have like a I like some like real deep down love for you and I really appreciate you thank you I I appreciate that I mean it, it's wild to me because even though I've been doing wrestling soup for 12 years technically I've never done it for anything else other than to have a good time with my friend yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean that's yeah. literally I mean, what it is you know? It's so evident. Like it's it's. Thank you, man. And uh, just for the for the backstory, um, in in 2011, I I had a I had I had some brain surgery where I had to step away from wrestling. I had to I had to step away from my identity. Like I was really like all I am is wrestling. I don't know much else, and I don't feel like I I've had a kind of an identity crisis there for a little while, and I didn't really know how to uh come back to being who i was yeah. and hearing hearing you and joey have a good time oh wow uh, man it really it really it really uh i think it really affected me and it helped me a lot so i wanted to make sure if i if i got no no other opportunity to say anything else to you but the fact how of how important that was to me wow, uh, man. And, I mean, 
saying that on the record, knowing that also, you know, there might be a day when one of us isn't here anymore. So I always, I think a good part, a good part of me uh, becoming a fan of yours and becoming a fan of the show is like the, you guys, some of the stuff you talk about, cause it's not only about wrestling. I think, I think when I got into it, I was also like at the time, into like the walking dead and you guys were talking oh, yeah. about the walking dead. So it was like a, a bunch of it was like, Oh, you don't have to be one thing. Right. You don't have to stay singularly focused. Well, who talks like that? You know what I mean? Right. I mean, unless you're like a sports broadcaster or something like that. I mean, when you're having a conversation with somebody who stays on one topic for two hours, I mean, <laughs> yeah. it's, it seems yeah. so forced. It seems right. very forced. Thank you, man. Jeez, I, 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 I'm kind of speechless. It's, 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 it's it makes me a little speechless and hear that you said that I was a little bit of a part of something. Oh, I absolutely. didn't know. Absolutely. I didn't know that I was a part of that era for you. And I didn't know that I was a, I was a important well, at all. I mean, I was just, I was just a little cog. I was like a little tiny cog in the wheel. Doesn't there. matter. Doesn't little matter. Spoke that on the entire, wheel, a little cog in the machine. That entire time on the indies, um, CZW, ROH, uh, Chikara, PWG, like the 2000s of independent wrestling was amazing to me, to me as a wrestling fan. Because I mean, you just came out of the attitude era, the 90, you know, the late 90s and stuff, and it was all gone. And I think some of the stuff that tried to replace it was good, and some of it was eh. But the CZW, like the, the homegrown indie feel was, I think that's what people are trying to recapture now. Yes, they can't. It's they impossible. Can't. Right. I mean, you know, it's improbable. Maybe it is possible, but uh, that time felt so special. It felt ridiculously special. It felt like it was like we were. I felt we were the. Not we. Don't I don't want to include me. Yeah, I include yourself. You were. I want to say. I want to say that that era felt like we were we were carrying the baton for. ECW that they had just yeah. they had just dropped, and you were and, the new generation. That's what it was. All of us younger fans, and and I was a younger guy back then. <laughs> I mean, I'm not dead yet, but you know, <laughs> we we all were younger back. Oh my gosh, right. But I mean, even then, it's like you were the next generation. You were the hope. You you guys literally brought in. A whole new style. It was a lot more integrated. Um, I mean, deathmatch wrestling. I mean, we saw ECW. I saw ECW, but mm -hmm. but the deathmatch wrestling style was was mind blowing at the time. I hadn't really experienced it. I've seen FMW before that and stuff, but I, I hadn't seen it on our shores. I hadn't seen it in the U.S. Right. You know what I mean? And it was cool as shit. It was straight up cool as shit. I look forward, dude. I still have, and I, I mean, I I have to dust off a DVD player nowadays, mm. but I still have all the the bootleg RF videos that were all over the place <laughs> covering CZW and old ROH and all that shit. Like, I remember us burning. Like, I don't know if you were, you know, 
well-versed in the internet back then. Yeah, but I, I remember I, going to all the torrent sites and stuff like that just to try and get new CZW stuff, just to try and get new Chikara or PWG because it wasn't readily available unless you went to the website sometimes, you know? And back, even back then, did you listen? Did you, I'm sorry, did you... Did you read through CZW fans' message boards and shit like that? Yes, I was a I was a forum hopper back yeah. in the day. Uh, brutal, brutal as shit. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you oh, know, it's funny. I just talked about this a couple of days ago. Uh, my friend Ryan, who uh, eventually went on to to post on there under the name Su Supreme Douche, that was. He, he was he was he was a, a, a real good friend of mine very very good friend we were friends way before way before wrestling had ever started before it was ever like CZW before right. all that uh just out from outside of wrestling we were friends and he he was like bro I got a name I got a screen name on CZW fans message board that uh I, I'm surprised I was able to get it but I'm so glad I was. And I was like, oh, what's that? And he's like, it's CK Corey Castle. And I was like, are you posting under <laughs> CK Corey Castle? And, and, and he's like, yeah, I started to. I'm like, and then, then people were like, oh, look at Corey trying to put himself over. And like all the, all the boys in the back were like, you fucking Mark. And being a Mark wasn't cool. Being a Mark back not, then not wasn't cool. Like that, 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 that. It, it, it changed a lot. Like right. the, 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 the winds of change. Yeah, I used to do the the CZW forums. Uh, I don't know if you remember the Declaration of Independence. Yeah, dude, I was I was on that. Yeah, I, I mean, I never posted, but I would read all this stuff. The oh funny, yeah. <laughs> the funny the funny part about it was, yeah. DOI was very important to the Northeast Independent Circuit. Yeah. I remember meeting guys at wrestling shows and then being like, "Oh, dude, I read your name on DOI all the time." Like people would always say, "DOI, oh, yeah. I, I see your name and results on DOI all the time." But like the funny part about that is like most of the time when anyone talks to me about like wrestling stuff that I do, they go, oh, like, oh, CZW. And they bring up stuff. I'm like, dude, I was a teenager. Right. I, I'm, a, I'm an adult man now. <laughs> like yeah, you were clean shaven and everything. <laughs> yeah, I was, I, oh, I was clean shaven because I couldn't grow anything. Yo. <laughs> I wasn't able to grow facial hair. <laughs> Yeah, well, that stuff is so important, man. And I think that a lot of the, I don't want to say a lot of the kids, but there's a lot of kids today that just, they don't even know. They just don't even know. It's it's not even a matter of they don't want to watch it. They just don't mm -hmm. even understand. They don't even know where it comes from. Yeah. You know, I, I, I see people even talking about wrestling from the 80s and how bad it was. And it's like, man, I, I don't know about that. You had to have the 80s till you got to the 90s till you got till now. It's all part of a chain reaction, you know, like all of it's so important. You know? I, I, I hate to, I really dislike sounding like the old guy. Yeah. Who's like, oh, it was a different time back then. It was, it was better. But, but the thing is like when wrestling was protected, when there wasn't as much inclusion, right? it seemed like, the only kind of people who got into it were tough enough to handle it. Yeah. And uh, it seems like at a certain point they just started like letting people, I think, I think I started to notice it happening when they would just let people sign up for the wrestling school to get their money. Mm. I think that's when I think it started where it was like, Oh, we'll just include somebody 
even if right. they don't belong. You it used to be, and 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 I still have a habit of doing it, and I'm and maybe I'm a dick for it, but like when I'll when I'll do seminars or I'll like sit in on training and like help out or whatever, try to help trainees. Yeah, I, I'm I'm like mean to them, and I'm like it's not me trying to be mean, but you have to understand it. This is my instinct to to weed out the not tough right to weed out who doesn't belong because the way the way i looked at it coming in and and for sure i i spent a good amount of my wrestling career not being good at all like i don't think i got good in the ring until maybe like 2013 or something like that it like took me a really long time so what what cracks me up is when people like talk to me about stuff I did when I was a teenager, like that was the most important stuff. And I'm like, yeah, but I, I, well, I, I mean, if they're saying that's the most important stuff, that's not fair to you. Right. I'm just saying that it was an important time. Right. Right. Oh, you know, I mean, I, I know you're not directing it towards me. I'm just thinking in my own head yeah. and I'm like, Oh, but that CZW ROH stuff, like that entire time was really important to me. And I know all of my friends, it was important to that. Matter of fact, it was, I think when t about I, probably about 2011, 2012, 2013 is when a lot of my old school, my diehard ride or die WCW, WWF, WWE guys, you know, the, the, the guys that would go with me to random ROH shows in the middle of bumfuck Illinois, you know, that's mm -hmm. when they finally started to die off. And it wasn't because of the independence. It was because of the overall depression of the wrestling product at the time, you know, and there was good that, things, but mm. I mean, I'm sure you've heard Jr. say it like the, the fat shaming for wrestling fans. Like yeah. it's like people, yeah, pe yeah, people, yeah. people look at wrestling fans or people look at people who like wrestling and think that like, we're stupid. Like we yeah. don't like, like we're like dumb to the fact that it's a work. It's like, but Oh they, yeah, we know yeah. that it's a work. Like you maybe are, maybe are, uh, missing a piece of wonder from your heart and your soul that maybe yeah. you need to seek, find a thing you enjoy and, right. uh, and, and watch, watch someone shit all over it. Right. Right. I mean, dude, there's nothing wrong with criticism, but the first thing you think of when you think of wrestling critics is fat guy living in mom's basement. You know what I mean? And you're right with the wrestler stuff. They think it's all bodybuilder meathead stuff, right. you know? And it's like, mm, it takes a lot of talent to be able to fool the audience for a living <laughs> <laughs> you know it was funny i i was trying to do this on stage i i think i did it maybe twice but i would talk about like the 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 body shaming that that like gym dudes get yeah it's like like go oh like you're just some meathead but i'm like do you think i do this because i think i look better than you something's wrong with me right <laughs> like this the same as well why did you get into it now there's a curious question because we were just talking about the the generation today and the generation back then but what what was your spark what was what made you decide hey i'm gonna not not only am i gonna get into it you know into the gym and train and stuff like that but what kept you there well i don't think i don't think i discovered weights and like lifting and the gym until like 2007 right like i I was just like some kid who trained at wrestling school. And I, that was like my only exercise was just getting in the ring and training. And I didn't discover like 
but the funny thing is, I, I I actually was taught how to lift weights when I was younger by Justice Payne, and I never, oh, ever, wow. I never ever ever took took it up. Like he he like he really, and and the the funny thing about that is like, and I I've never spoke about this publicly, but it seems like anybody who's ever been like super important and super um super like went out of their way to really help me out when they didn't need to help me out has been named Chris. Yeah. And that's, that's the, it's a weird, weird sink. I don't know why it exists, but for sure, uh, justice pain really went out of his way to, to like teach me how to, he was like, Oh, let's try. He, he would get in the ring with me and try. I remember like, I have distinct memories. I can remember them like they were yesterday being at the wrestling school. And it was like me, uh, Cash, GQ, Jude, wow. and and wow. and just and Justice Payne, and uh, you know, Dahmer and Dahmer and Eddie were like in the other ring. We had two rings, and and uh, and Justice Payne kept going like, "Hey, can you try?" I remember him like get me for like a like a back body drop. He's like, "Land on your feet, like backflip on your feet," and like he was like, "It'll be really cool if you start doing that." I did it that, <laughs> I did it that one time. <laughs> I never did it again. <laughs> wow. See, how do you say that you're not a part of that Deus fan? Look at look at all the name drops you just did. That was a major part of independent wrestling in the 2000s. Those guys, man, they were they were household names among us marks. Yeah, yeah I guess so. <laughs> you know, it's funny, man, because when when I started training, I was when I started training, I was 15 years old. I was still in high school. Oh wow. Okay. Yeah. You when, were I, when I when yeah. I started training at the CCW schools, I was 15 years old when I had started. Oh, wow. And, um, and like all these people were people who I was going, I was going to every one of the shows and I was doing ring crew even before I started training. So I knew all these people. And then I, then I like, I would be watching them as a fan of wrestling yeah. as a fan of indie wrestling. And then I started meeting them all. And then I started like knowing them. Like I have, distinct memories of like, I used to, I used to like draw CZW wrestlers in my notebook when I was a kid, like in nice. school. And I remember like writing C the CZW logo all over shit. Like you know, most people would put like bands they liked. I would put nice. like, CZW, I would draw pictures of Mondo. And then like, nice. <laughs> and then like later on, I became like really good friends with some of these people. Like John Dahmer, John Dahmer is very, very important as far as like a male role model. Like I didn't have a dad and Dahmer really, Dahmer really was that, that man, that like male role model right. in my life. Like he would, he would like, he would like check my report cards and shit. Like oh, get the fuck out of here. Really? Wow. Yeah. yeah. That's cool and, as hell, man. And, uh, and uh, like Nick Burke, Nick Burke, yeah. still, still one of my close friends. I still talk to Nick Burke all the time. Wow. I remember my first, time at the czw school the first time when i first went to try out yeah uh, i met johnny cashmere oh nice and johnny cashmere asked me if my favorite wrestler was trent acid <laughs> and, and i was like uh, i he's not my favorite but i know him i like him i think he's right. really good and he was like I think you're trying to be trent acid like he <laughs> like my my like nickname for a little while was jimmy acid when, when I was a like, little kid, like Ed O'Mac gave me that name. Nice. And uh, 
yeah, it, it was such a it was a such a cool thing to be yeah. a fan of this thing and then be included with this thing. And then this thing like wasn't like it wasn't like on TV yet. It was just like in tapes and like people didn't know. And then and then to have debuted and then then they get TV, then they get the arena. Right. And it was like, oh, man, I'm a part of something, huh? But at the same time, I can't remember. I can't remember feeling like I was ever a star then. I didn't I don't remember thinking that I was good. I don't remember thinking that I was good at all. Is I that felt just like a personal opinion or is that what people have told you? Because I think that would be a little weird if people would say that to you. But I mean, having self-doubt is part of humility. I think everybody, if if you're trying to be a good human being, you, of course, you're going to be humble about what you've done and what you do. You know, because arrogance is just, you know, being that level of ego is, is not good for anyone. So, yeah, it's pretty gross. Yeah. Right. 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 I, I remember just being like kind of going through the motions. And I remember I now thinking back on it is uh, through the early 2000s, I remember coming back from every match and not remembering anything from the match, like having been concussed or oh. something. Shit, like, yeah. and and then being like well that's probably why i wasn't good because i was i was doing it wrong or, or I, was, yeah. I was i was i was getting i was getting stiffed it was stiff as shit i remember like everybody hit real hard right. and and uh just the the fans were so brutal the fact that like at one point when mike burns was the booker there was a the the run sheet in the back said no psychology don't oh, shit. <laughs> no psychology. Whoa. Don't do psychology. So, like, a lot of times it was just moves for the sake of moves, right. and it was head drops for everything. Was head drops. Everything was uh, unprotected chair shots. Head drops. Yeah, and, there was a lot and, of that. Yeah. Those those pops and stuff. It's funny now when I think about it too, because you know I gone through like the 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 brain stuff and having the brain surgery and going all the way back, and I go. Oh man, do I regret any of those concussions? Do I regret any of that stuff? And then I think about the dopamine rush and the validation and the gratification from that audience pop. And I'm like, oh, I got just hooked real young on that. And I still and I still chase it. And I, I'm still after it all these years later. Yeah, but you don't have to get concussions anymore to do that. No, 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 <laughs> no. But but as far as like, you know, <laughs> figuring it all out and right, learning right. how to work. I, I, I think. Mean, do you feel think, like the industry is a lot safer now than even it was in the mid two thousands? Well, it's safer for sure. As far as like, there wouldn't be a moment back then where somebody wouldn't bully you or say something gross to you all the time. Right. I remember coming into a locker room with um, I saw Johnny Johnny and Johnny Cashmere and Z Bar were sitting in the locker oh, yeah. room, and. And I was—I walked in and I had a smile on my face. And Barb was like, "You're always smiling. Stop it." <laughs> and I'm like, "Oh man!" Right, right. Like, uh, uh, I just want to extinguish my shine real hard. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I, I. Well, I meant safer, not necessarily in the the terminology of like bullying or anything. Oh yeah. Like that, oh, right? you're talking about like uh, the. Well, it's 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 strange because it's a different caliber. Like 
yeah. you find yourself matched up with different caliber types of athletes. Like when I guess when I was lower on the card, I was going up against other people who were really low on the card. Yeah. And yeah. Uh, and like people who had just amount as much experience as me and stuff like that. Um, I think at one point when it was me and Jeff tagging, when me and Niles were tagging, they, they, um, like they would bring teams in just to beat us. Right. Like we, we were just like the jobber team. <laughs> like when I, I, I have a, I have a, a joke that I think, I, I don't know. It's not a joke. Like I've never done it on stage or anything, but I was saying like, Oh, remember the remember the the tag team Dunn and Marcos? Like they were they were something in Ring of Honor for a minute. Yeah, we did the job to them. No big deal. They pinned me. <laughs> in the Where are they at? Where are they at now? <laughs> remember, all money is legal. Remember, remember, dirty rotten scoundrels. Where are they at now? There's everybody else who who was better than me. Who right. who like came in just to beat me? Where are they at? You know what's really wild? And I know you've probably seen this. And I think it happened, I want to say almost like four or five months ago now. But there are there's this weird need to still shock the world and at the same time try to get their dopamine rush. Who was the wrestler? Was it it might have been GCW, it might have been some farm fed, but that cut off his finger in the match. Yeah, I, I, did I, not I don't remember his name. We, I mean, we even covered it on the show, and I, I forgot the guy's name. But it was just this point that some people go to the form of mutilation still. Yeah. Like, I remember back in the day when you guys, well, not you directly, but, I mean, even when Nick Mondo used, like, the weed whacker on his stomach, and the yeah. fans would bring some of the craziest shit to the events, especially out in Philly and stuff like that, like, it was wild. I mean, it was more than just like light tubes, which light tubes have been used in a million ways in different companies and stuff like that. But you'd see things like actual kitchen sinks, like the ceramic fucking sinks. And I'm like, <laughs> Jesus, you could kill somebody with that fucking thing, you know? And it, was, and it was amazing that that was even allowed back then. And the, the fact that you have people out there today chopping off digits. Dude, you know? <laughs> I remember, I remember Sammy. Sammy Callahan was texting me about he's like, yo, do you have do you have a do you have a, a stun gun? Do you have a taser? Can you get us a taser? <laughs> and I remember being like, No, I don't know where to get it. He's like, Oh yeah, me and me and Danny Havoc want to use a taser. I'm not participating in that. I <laughs> I'm not gonna not gonna do that. Do and, the shaky leg. Yeah. And and then uh the funny the funny thing about that, that that memory specifically, because I Recently, was thinking about it because my my girl um, my girl has a, this fly swatter that, that that you when you when oh, you hit it you yeah. can electrocute it you can electrocute and I was like I was like hit me with that babe and she's like no and I was like come on just hit me I just and I like fed her like the right. safe part of my back I was like just hit me with it and, and I was like and just like turn that zap on and she's like I won't do it and I was like come on. I was just hitting the thing and I hit myself with it and I was like, see now hit me with it. And she hit me with it. And I was like, it's nothing. Right. I don't feel anything. Right. I was like, I'm going to start bringing this with me to there the ring. It'll be my, my cornet, uh, my, my cornet, <laughs> my racket. Oh yeah. There you go. Cause, Cause I mean, my, my faction, my current 
faction, my group that I that I've started, I'm calling it the Spark. So what better way? Nice. What better way than to have something that sparks as the signature weapon? That's very good, man. But yeah, no, I mean, I was uh, was always a fan of wrestling myself. You know, like it's it's interesting how you started to find your own way into it and stuff like that. When you were growing up, um, who were your heroes? Who were, who were the guys that inspired you? Uh, I would say mostly. Yeah. Uh, I would say mostly it would have been like Chris Jericho and Edge okay. and Christian. Like those were the guys that I think uh, Michaels, Triple H, X-Pac. Like those were the guys that like made me go, I want to do this. Like, oh, okay. I, I don't, I, I'm, I'm not. I'm not so sure I'm going to let people go, you're too small or you're too young. Like, cause that's what I got lots of. Right. Lots of people, lots of people were like, you're too small. I was like, asshole, I'm 14 years old. Of course I'm too small. Oh yeah. But I mean, guys like Spike Dudley were in ECW killing themselves and stuff like that too. WWE side, you had Crash Holly and others like yeah, tiny yeah. guys were, were a big part of the company going into the fucking attitude era versus the eighties where there was just nobody that was small, you know? So Awesome. So what what was the thing that like got you into wrestling? What was like the the main spark in your head that was like, yeah, that's what the thing I, I wanted to get close to my family. My aunt was a huge wrestling mark, huge wrestling fan. Uh got me involved in WWF back in the 80s and stuff. Uh, I had family up in Indiana and in the part of Indiana that they were, there was no WWF on TV, it was just WCW. So mm-hmm. every time I would go see family, They'd, I'd start talking about, you know, all these guys from WWF. They just look at me like I'm I'm an asshole. And it's like, and then they're showing me WCW stuff, which is when I saw Vader for the first time and Luger and Sting. And like, I was like, oh, okay, this, this is different. And, but yeah, it was, it was just kind of a way for me to bond with my family. And then I started falling in love with it itself. And then I started noticing, oh, look, I'm watching it on my own, you know, and I'm talking like six, you know, seven years old as a kid you know, uh, waking up in the middle of the night to watch Saturday night's main event, you know? Mm-hmm. So, yeah, man. But that's how it started off. Um, by the time the, the Monday Night Wars happened and the Attitude Era happened and everything else like that in ECW, I was already hooked into watching anything I could. I was watching Japanese stuff. I was watching Lucha Libre. Like, there was a point in time, which I don't even know if fans are like that today. Maybe they are. You know, I think it's a lot more easier for them to get because like way I mean, easier, way, oh, way easier. totally yeah. about the tape trading back in the day like that was a legit thing mm-hmm. and it's funny because you try to explain that to people i'm like no 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 we were physically trading vhs copies of shit mm-hmm. just to get new stuff <laughs> i would lose track of who gave what to whom like it was almost as if if you traded something just don't expect it back you've got something different and then it keeps going back and forth but... I, I never i never was in the tape trading uh, I, I, I would, I would watch tapes that like would be left at the at the school or something. I would bring them home and watch those. Right, right, right. But I never like traded tapes with people. It would just be like if somebody had a tape, uh, they'd leave it at the school or, yeah. or uh, they'd bring it over my house and we'd watch it and then then they'd leave and bring it with them. Right. Oh yeah. Stuff no, like this was that. high school, man. We'd, we'd come up mm-hmm. there, we'd smoke a joint and pass off some tapes. I mean. That's literally what it was, you know. So, bro, I didn't, I didn't become, I didn't become a pothead or stoner. I didn't become that until 
my thirties. Like, that oh wow, happen. really? Yeah, I I didn't I didn't smoke, dude. I I debuted in CZW as Corey Castle three months before I ever lost my virginity. Oh wow! <laughs> like I was such a like a like a I just all I all I wanted to do was like Russell. I wanted to I wanted to make sure that I I started to become who I wanted to be. And I didn't think I didn't think well, if, damn, Corey. I mean I, wrestling if, wrestling is a real part of your like a real fucking part of your life then. It was yeah. there for you for big moments then. I mean, if you're wow, dude, very, very unique story. Most yeah, man. That's awesome. The, yes, the 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 summer of two thousand two was a very pivotal moment. <laughs> hey, man! <laughs> I said, I as, like, as long as you lose it, sir. <laughs> and like I said, I I didn't. I mean, I had I had tried smoking weed, but I didn't become like a pothead who smoked all the time. Like like nowadays, I smoke every day. But back then, nope, it's wow. not. Not a part of my life, and like drinking, smoking, sex, girls—none of that stuff. Also, can I can I also mention? Uh, no, no girls wanted to have sex with me. <laughs> it was not like it wasn't. I wasn't. I wasn't any kind of prize or anything. To because wow. because yeah. because of because of this because long hair didn't become cool until recently. Yeah, well, long hair was great for me. <laughs> Maybe it was just different parts of the country, man. I was doing okay with Chicago. <laughs> now you, you've inspired me to feel like it's important. To, oh to... yeah, I, I carry mine down. I actually just got mine cut. It was a lot longer. I just had to cut it. It's just too fucking hot in the summer, you know. <laughs> so were you just back. were you just here? Were you just in Philly? Yeah. Um. Actually, I passed through Philly uh, a couple of weeks ago. I was going up to DC for Awesome Con, so mm. I was just there. I was living up there for about a year. Um, right outside by, uh, uh, do you know where Schwanksville is? Uh, that's where that's where my old tag team partner Matt Bombo lives. That's where I was at. I was living on Schwanksville. I was just I was just there. I was just there like two weeks ago. Oh no, shit! Nice. Yeah, beautiful yeah. little area, dude. I I've honestly fallen in love with the entire state of Pennsylvania. I really have. So for as many years as I've lived in Chicago and Chicago land, you know, lived in Indiana. Lived in all sorts of different places, man. PA is it's fucking breathtaking. It really is. Especially when you get out into the to the mountains and the forests and stuff. Oh, just gorgeous. I want to live there again. It just right now, just saving up to uh to to get our first house, you know, get married, get my first house, and then uh we'll see where we go from there. So how how, how old are you, Mish? Uh I will be forty two. Oh, okay. So we're we're close in age, you and I. I I am thirty eight years old. Oh, there you go. Yeah, I think you're the same age ago. as Joe. Okay. Or, yeah, yeah, yeah. Cool, cool. I the the funny the funny thing about it is um. I don't think, I don't think we've ever run across each other at shows. Like I don't think we we're ever in the same like scene. Like I think I've only I've only been to New England in that scene probably like twice like i think i worked for east any necw hmm. uh for shelton goldberg or whatever <laughs> I, I wrestled for that guy maybe twice and that was like 
2010, maybe. Gotcha. I mean, it, it's been a very, very long time. Yeah. Yeah. No, but, it's, uh, it's, it, I, I've never, I was never up in the entire New England area. I wasn't up to, to Boston, um, probably until 2020. The very first time I even went to Boston. Um, me and Joe met because we were both fans of the Minority Report and the Don Tony and Kevin Castle show stuff back in the day. And I mean, I was working with them, but talk about talk about the Tom Cruise movie. Yeah, that's pretty good. Yeah. <laughs> pretty, I haven't pretty seen good. the new one yet. Is the new one good? I keep hearing people. Talking I really, about it. I I forgot about it until you just mentioned it, and I <laughs> now that I'm thinking about it, yeah, dude, it was awesome. I loved it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah man <laughs> haven't been up there but you know it's, it's a nice area too it's just we it, it's funny how things change your life and how people that you meet completely alter you know what you're going to do in life because i mean in in 2010 and 2011 i was still working with my broadcasting degree you know i was uh basically doing work with terrestrial radio i was i was the guy doing voiceover commercials for am radio you know from wakanda rodeo stuff to like eat it big gyms you know like shit like that you know and uh and that's how i got started like i was always a fan of radio i was always a fan of terrestrial radio terrestrial media and stuff like that so i mean going along with wrestling i was always under the assumption of was like man why aren't there more wrestling based shows on terrestrial radio and i mean you can go back into it and stuff like that and people bring up you know vince russo is obviously one of the more famous people in wrestling that mm -hmm. came from you know terrestrial radio and stuff like that but yeah no for the most part it was always a local thing there was no real national coverage espn didn't give a shit about wrestling at the time and neither did fox sports you know barely and stuff so even in 2010 2011 it was it was kind of like an empty field. So when I got into it, you know, and I started doing wrestling soup with Joe, it was, it was a chance to do something that uh, other people really weren't doing on a national level. And podcasting, even in 2010, was small. I mean, I started in 2003, back when they didn't even call it podcasting yet, because Apple iPods didn't coin the uh, term yet. Apple didn't coin the term. And it was called feel, online radio. I don't feel like... I don't feel like podcasting is even as big of a deal as it should be. I feel oh, like, it is. It is. like when I, when I talk to people, like uh, I, I work from home and I'm, I was in, I was in like, we have the, this uh, chat that everyone's in. And yeah. I was like, do any of you guys listen to podcasts? Right. They don't even know what podcasts are. Wow. Like that. And it seems like every job I've worked at, when I say like, do you listen to podcasts? Nope. Don't well, like, and, and, and it seems like it's huge. It yeah. seems like it's huge because we're inside of it. Right. But it's not. It's it's a mixture. So there's different kinds of ways to look at podcasts. Like there's podcasts that are homegrown, like me, like you, homegrown. We take care of everything ourselves. We up we update our own stuff. We don't have a crew or a staff behind us working to make sure that all of our production is on point, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Like Everything that you do is being done by you. That's the level of podcast that I want to say 80% of people fall into as far as creators. Uh, then you get to the next level, which is kind of like the people that started like us, but caught that big wave and then started to get millions of followers and millions of listeners a week and stuff like that. That goes up to the next tier. Now, that tier makes a lot of money. 
companies like mid-roll advertisers sponsorships there are people clearing a hundred thousand two hundred thousand a month on the regular on the fucking regular and they have a full staff that they cater to and everything else like that and then there's the top tier which are sports shows um talk shows that are created and hosted by terrestrial radio terrestrial media stuff like like sony and sports illustrated coming out with their own podcast the espn zone podcast they're sinking real money into that there's a real board op there's real staff like pd everything so and that that goes into an upper tier where that kind of sponsorship money is we'll never see that <laughs> well, I was, so, I was yeah. laughing at like when when uh, Cor Corey Graves got a podcast on the uh, WWE's podcast yeah. or whatever, and I was like, yeah, yeah. I bet you he'll get more 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 downloads in the first like minutes than I've ever had for the accumulative time I've been doing my show. It's 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 wild. I I don't know what the formula is, man. Like I, I've had people ask me that over the years because. I'm not the most knowledgeable person on wrestling at all. Joey is a fucking encyclopedia. Kevin Castle is an encyclopedia. That's yeah. that's not my strength. That's never been my strength. My strength is doing everything else. Mm. You know, you need the everything else guy. <laughs> and that's <laughs> kind of where I've always been. And it's like, you know, well, how do you know, you know, what's going to be good? I, I don't fucking know. I don't know what's going to work. I know what topics to bring up. I know what's silly. I know how to 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 engage people. I know how to incite people sometimes, you know, on purpose. It's, I mean, I, I would never compare it to wrestling, but in a way it's about trying to control your audience in the way of having them interested in what you have to say, or at least react to what you have to say. Because the whole point is, is you want them to tune in again next week. Mm -hmm. You want them to tune in to the next episode. So you're not going to be like, even when we were talking before all this started, I mean, we had a, a, a slight issue with the audio because you were mm -hmm. animated and you knocked it off and you're like, this is the price I get for being animated. But that's what you want to do because right. that animation, it keeps people engaged. It keeps right. people interested, yeah. you know? So yeah, yeah I, I don't know. I don't know the, the, the formula for success, man. Like I, I, I'm a hyperactive boy. That's great. Too hyperactive on that on that 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 first intro I was trying to do. I was like flailing all over the place. But could but, you imagine you doing a monotone high? Oh this boy, no. Glory. Yo, bro. I, <laughs> the, the 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 thing that I think I get a dose of that maybe you don't get because you don't you don't really you don't really work with guests. That's not really something you right. you do, but man getting guests that are like shit this sucks like uh, like, uh, like uh, it's 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 a hard it's a hard sell trying to act like you're animated over some shit you're not really enthused about right oh yeah oh, and, that's that's part of the game though too that's what makes you a good interviewer that's what makes you interesting is the fact that you can try and pull that out of other people you right. want to be able to pull stories out of people you want to pull people's opinions out of them where they don't want to let go of them, you know? Dude, even that Bigfoot show, I was the very first show that I listened to, you know, it was funny. It was hilarious, because I'll be honest, the Bigfoot guy was a little stale. He was, was a little rigid. But little dude, bit. you brought him. You brought him out. You made his ass laugh with the big shoe joke. I, I fucking died after that. 
did you ever <laughs> did you ever think of just leaving big shoes around the floor? I, I'm fucking dying. I'm like, that's great. You're literally fucking with his entire profession, but in a, in, in a comical way, not in a not in a hazing kind of way. You know, I I loved it. Man. I, I I for sure want to make sure because I know I know what I do what I do as far as like the the shit I'm into isn't the same shit that everybody's into either. So I wouldn't want someone to look at the shit I do and just try to like make make a mockery of it or make shame like make me feel shame for it. Right. So I definitely wouldn't want to give that to anybody else. That's a, like I wanted to make that dude fully feel seen and heard yeah. because that that shit is interesting. Yeah. Like that for sure all the stuff I was saying was a shoot. Like I was like dude you <laughs> look like you're having fun doing that. Right, right. Oh yeah. And I was not I was not I was not faking it and that's I think what I think when it comes to being a fake wrestler, I can't right. being somebody who I'm not unless I'm a heel in front of people. Right. I, right. For sure. Be that's a, part of the gimmick anyways. That's part yeah. of the, yeah. Right. It's, it's part of the profession. It's, it's just, it's just, you know, the nature of the beast, the tricks of the trade kind of shit. Yeah. But uh, what I was thinking about, and uh, I think, I think that it'd be fun to talk to you about this idea that I had. Sure. Not not to say that it's gonna it would ever actually be a thing, but I was thinking about like the major major wrestling news channels mm. and the the people who get the most attention. Um, all all of like the top shows, all the like the most uh, gone to sources that that people have. If right. there was some sort of like. Like CNN for pro wrestling news. Oh wow! Like, like, and how how that could probably drum up some actual viewers for wrestling, because because you have somebody kind of like, hate to use the word, mansplaining to you what's been going on. Yeah, yeah. And sometimes sometimes when you're wa when you're watching wrestling, you're just like, I don't get the context of this, and uh, it's not something like a lot of people will just shrug at it and say it's not for me. Right. Well, maybe, maybe, maybe a little context would would assist. <laughs> there's been um, there's been multiple attempts at that, and uh, and I think that's something that still hasn't really been established as to who is the cornerstone of at least you know wrestling news and stuff. I know what culture once upon a time were those guys. Mm -hmm. um, I know uh, uh, Scott Keith and I think it was like Bleacher Report were those guys like where it wasn't just wrestling. But here we talk baseball over here. We'll talk hockey over here, et cetera, et cetera. Mm -hmm. And that was kind of all encompassing, too. But as as far as covering all of wrestling, like on the level of independence, you know, sea level promotions, you know, stuff like that. I don't like, know if there's anybody. Like, DOI used to be close to that back in the 2000s yeah, too. Yeah. They were real good at that, but once again, small it was, area. It was I just a website. It was just a message board. Right. Uh, right. But I, I'm thinking about it like on a like a larger scale, like kind of like you know, you you turn the TV on and like like Rachel Maddow. Instead of watching Rachel Maddow, there's Brian Alvarez. And he's talking oh, to you about what, what's going like uh, Brian Brian Alvarez I could be like the Ryan Seacrest of right no I of, get you right of like the wrestling news channel or whatever yeah and uh, it's it's like bro you're already you're already charging people twelve dollars to watch you do the news right. like why not have it be 
on TV where other people could watch it? Man, I don't know. I know, uh, didn't the UK used to have that? They used to have Sky Sports or whatever. Oh, yeah. Okay. And they would have 24 hours of totally random wrestling stuff. So it wasn't just WWE. It was also ROH. It was also CZW. It was also old ECW stuff that wasn't available at the time. And yeah, I miss that. I wish there was more of that. IWTV is okay for that. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you've ever checked them out. Uh, I have well, a subscription. I know I bought Joey a subscription, which is nice for like the independent wrestling. But once again, you're right. It's not news and it doesn't cover everything. It just covers the smaller side. But I wish there was. I think you have a great idea. I wish there was. I'd watch. We're just going to wish about it. We'll just, just uh, I wouldn't even know how to start something like that because me either. Like, it involves like, trying to get a hold of some pretty big people from the get. Well, on top on top of that, I want I want to I want to thank you because uh, a good amount of the people I reach out to decide to not reach back out, not not even read my or like leave me on red or something uh, like that. So I can imagine I can imagine trying to get into those channels or trying to get yeah. into those uh, circles, circles yeah. would yeah. be would be difficult because. Dude, I I feel like sometimes when people are too popular, like they they're they're not checking their DMs. Yeah, I feel I mean, like I don't even know if it's something like that, but I mean, can you imagine how many DMs these people get though? Too right, probably tons. Right, and that's why they don't check them because there's so many of them. You just get lost in the shuffle. Yeah, and that's why I've been super grateful to get some of the guests that I've gotten, like that I have no business actually getting these people to be on my podcast because I for sure can't offer them like, oh, you're going to get new fans from this. This is going right. to get you new followers. Uh, nope. Nope. You'll get, you'll get, it'll be, it'll be a tree falling in the woods, but you'll have a benefit of uh, having a cool chat and hang with me. You're selling yourself short. I think, I think you, you'd be surprised as to what kind of people watch just the most random things, man. I I don't know. Like, maybe you used to do something like this, too. But do you remember Blog Talk Radio? Yeah. It's still around. But it, it back in the, the mid-2000s, I would sit there and I would jump on Blog Talk Radio at 2 in the morning and just listen to the most insane shows <laughs> out of the blue for no reason. Like sometimes it was like you know actual religion, and and there was some some guy who was a Baptist who's like screaming into his telephone, you know, and he's going nuts. And then there's other people that are like psychics at three in the morning, and like this shit was interesting. And the people that were hanging around this were interesting. Like they're totally off the wall, but at the same time, it's like wow, this is I I would never find myself in that situation listening to something like this. But knowing that it's here, I caught myself going back and listening to other crazy things, too. So sitting there and, and, and believing that nobody's actually going to see something, you'd be surprised, man. People watch the most random things. It's almost as like it's like flicking uh, flicking the remote on television in the middle of the night. There's nothing on TV. What are you going to do? Well, I'm going to go check out some podcasts. Go check out Twitch. Going to go check out YouTube. That's what people do now. People will totally go YouTube surfing all night long and just watch the most random stuff because you'll see comments of people going well i'm in that strange part of youtube again yes yes you are (laughs) it's it's part of me me talking i i've talked a ton about consistency i've talked a lot about continuing to beat your drum and uh you know i i feel like if 
if I was like, no one's listening and this sucks and I'm not doing it, I'm not doing it for getting lots of listeners. I'm doing it so that I'll continue to get good at it. Right. I, I want to get good at it so that when when the stakes are higher and there's way more people listening, um, entertaining them, giving them something sure. that's like give, gives them value and gives them some maybe some lessons that they can apply to their life. I, I just that's that's I want to make sure when I started this, when I started doing this, I was like, I just want to make sure that this would be the type of show I'd want to listen to. If I were going to listen to a podcast, I'd want it to be similar to the thing because, well, because everybody you who tell. you talk to, what's we, I mean, we, we brought that up earlier because you can tell the difference between somebody who's having a good time talking on their show versus somebody who's regimented, sticking to a script, reading the bullet points, different type of show man. well the, the the you actually made me think of and i I was, I was actually talking about this earlier today the the blog talk radio uh shows that yeah. used to used to uh ask me to be guests a lot and i did i remember doing a lot of them but th- yeah. they'd, they'd wind up they'd wind up asking me the same questions Many, many times. They say, oh, what, what, when was your first match? How'd you get your start? What inspired you? I'm like, bro, go on Blog Talk Radio and search my name. You'll true. find the answers to these questions. True. Very true. <laughs> like, but I, you know what? That's got to be a nature of your side of the business, though, too. Because yeah. I, I, I think when somebody asks you specifically, like, what got you into it? What, what brought you to the dance? It's not necessarily because, I mean, it, it matters, your, your statement and stuff like that. But I think it's also a way for the people that are asking you this to try and connect to themselves is did the same thing that made me fall in love with wrestling, make him fall in love with wrestling and go do it. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? It's almost like a reflection of oneself. And I don't know how deep some of the interviews that you've had were. <laughs> you, you, can tell, <laughs> you can tell, you can tell that when they're asking that question, they're reading it off a piece of paper and then not uh, paying attention to you answering the question. Yeah. I, I super prefer to be guests on podcasts where people like throw a, a very obscure thing at me that I would have done. And I'm like, ah, I don't, I don't remember. Or like, Oh, that's uh, thanks for bringing that up. Like right, right. my first IMDB credit that I got in like 2005 or six or something like that yeah. was I was in this, this like very independent comedy movie. It wasn't oh, not funny, not funny, but, but, they gave me this this line in it. Uh, I was. Uh, it was supposed to be a comedy movie. Nobody there was funny. I remember thinking, like, <laughs> how come nobody in this comedy movie is funny? Right. Like, and I remember, like, I, it was supposed to be this party scene that was taking place at a gym after the gym closed, and it was like the gym was closing down, and this was like the final hurrah at the gym, and th- they wanted to set up the shot where. Uh, the guy, the guy was like daydreaming in the hot tub at this gym, right. and in his daydream, some hot, some hot chick came up to him and was talking to him, and then like he was going through the 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 daydream, and then somebody called his name, and he went to stand up, and he and he was supposed to have a boner, but like them them setting it up, the thing kept falling apart. Like whatever, whatever, like prop they try oh, to use, it kept falling apart. And while they were trying to get a new, a new, a new fake, boner, <laughs> fake boner, I just kept like making the other extras laugh. Like, right. I was just like cracking them up because like I was bored and it was right. an overnight shoot. And 
nobody was making me laugh. So I was making me laugh and making these people laugh too. So then the director dude comes up to me and he goes, Hey, Corey, real quick. Um, I thought he was going to be like, dude, shut the fuck up. Like he needs to shut up. <laughs> but he was like, Oh, when the dude stands up and he, and he's got this boner, I want you to be like, bro, you got a boner, man. <laughs> like, and I was like, okay, sure. So I did that. Right. And my first IMDb credit was credited as boner guy. Boner guy. Nice. So I love it when like <laughs> I'll go, I'll go like uh, on somebody's podcast and they'll bring something like that up. I'm like, whoa, yeah. you looked like that's that's cool to me that you seek that out. That's that is cool, man. That is neat. That's a hell of a first credit, too. Boner guy. That's great. Boner guy. Boner. <laughs> man, yeah, I guess, uh, you know what? I haven't really done that many interviews. I've done a few, you know, over the years. I I don't know. Interviews can sometimes be uncomfortable, I think. Like, not always. One-on-one -on -one is, I think, a lot easier than, than believe it or not, two-on-one. Because, like, two-on-one, I think there's expectations sometimes. And some there's been some people that we've talked to that totally felt out of place with me and Joe. And it's like you could feel that. Mm -hmm. You could feel like they're uncomfortable. And it's like, mm, sorry, not trying to piss you off or nothing, just asking questions. And then all of a sudden, then that interview becomes rough, too. So it's like it's it's weird because you have to be on the same wavelength almost or at least in the vicinity of the same wavelength with people that you talk to because – I'll give you credit. Interviewing a Bigfoot dude out of the clear blue, and I've seen it. I mean, obviously, 267? Or is it 68 now? 267. 276. 276. Dyslexia. Um, <laughs> 276 episodes. How many of those were interviews? Uh, 275 of them? Maybe? Wow. Damn, Corey. Uh, That's... Like... I think the first two episodes, maybe the first two episodes were just me by myself. Right. And I was trying to explain what the show was going to be and trying to give some perspective. That's, that's why I say that I decided to, to, to go with the title Evolving with Corey Castle, not just because my name's Corey Castle, but it's like you, you go from episode two to now, oh, and yeah. hopefully I'm a whole other guy. Yeah. My perspectives have changed a lot over... And, and who I am has changed a lot. I, and I look back at like, what, like 2013 or 14 and who I was in locker rooms and like the uncomfortable awkwardness that I used to have. Like, and I didn't share anything about me and nobody knew much about me. I was really uh, kind of an introvert. Right. But at the same time, I was still, I was doing, I was doing comedy. I was doing stand up comedy already like at open mics and at clubs and stuff. Oh, but shit, that's cool as hell too, man. But like, but at shows and stuff, I, I don't remember really ever making real good like connections with everybody. I don't remember yeah. asking lots of people lots of different questions. Like I started to do that and I started to get more comfortable with having conversations that would be difficult for somebody who doesn't have those kind of conversations. Now, speaking of conversation questions, I got to ask, what's more difficult to, uh, to get the audience into, pro wrestling or stand-up comedy? Uh, it's so different. It's, it's so, it's so, it's, it's so the same and it's so different. Cause like in, in the ring and 
uh, doing, you know, re wrestling, it's like, I know that I'm good at it. I know, I know that like I could, I could do a bad job and still do better than most people on the show. Right. That's, that's like a confidence I already have in comedy. It's I'm going to go up there in front of a bunch of people who don't know who I am and don't have an, like, and like try to get them to like rage against the first impression they've made just from my appearance. Right. And right. Like, try to try to relate in some way like and try to have relatable premises that like everybody can can understand and relate to and and at the same time still make them laugh and if they don't laugh that's such a hit on my ego it's like oh they don't like me when i'm a when i'm wrestling and i'm in the ring i'm playing a character right when i'm on stage i'm me You're telling jokes kid. and right. and they're rejecting it i I'd, I'd rather get booed <laughs> in the ring like for sure, like that's what I I'm after. I'm after right. you not liking me. I I'd rather you not like me. And in in comedy, I can't not want them to like me. I'm so desperate for them to like me. It's almost it almost makes my butthole sweat every single time. <laughs> so how do you handle it? So I, I'm sure I'm sure just like with wrestling, I'm sure stand-up comedy is the same. There are towns you go to or there are stages you go to and, and you know the crowd is just wet for you. But what happens? What do you do when you get out there and you can just, man, this is not going to be the night. How do you, well, how do, you deal I, with that? I, I've, I remember getting, I've gotten off stage probably more times than not and been like, I'm never doing this again. This sucks. <laughs> I'm never doing this again. This sucks. Yeah. And then I have to go, well, maybe it was just that day. Maybe right. it was just an off night. I, Maybe I got to prepare more next time or something like bombing sucks, dude. <laughs> but, but for sure, like back, back to the, back to the lesson I was saying, it's like when the stakes are low, the consequence, the consequences aren't, aren't as high for a bomb right. when, when people aren't like paying lots of money to come see you or right. like you're not filling up theaters or clubs and, like they don't know who you are. So like I dude, I would way prefer to to play to a club of people who all knew who I was. But like I haven't created that that atmosphere. Draw. Yeah. Like I'm I haven't become that draw. And uh now does it now once again I have no idea how stand up works behind the scenes, but do you work the same clubs over and over again so you build up rapport with the audience kind of like wrestling or it's it's weird it's it's okay it's uh it really kind of depends on what the scene is like and who's in it because okay. it's it's political sometimes like really uh, some parts of like some parts like in the center in center city it's like real political some some people are like only put their friends up just like in wrestling like uh... some people only get spots like if i go to if i go to a club to do an open mic sometimes that's like in the city. Like I won't get on stage till like one 30 in the morning. Mm. And like, by that point, everyone has already left. Right. So I, I, I just kind of, I kind of suss out what's really worth my time. I Cause it. it's like, I have to, I not only do I have to get there, I got to like find parking and I got to, right, uh, right, right. and especially with like the gas and everything crazy is what it is right now. I prefer to do stuff that I've been asked 
to do yeah. and I'm getting paid to be there. But not, you know, not some phenomenal amount, but. Right. No, no. You want to be at least appreciated for your time and your effort. Right. Yeah. Oh, I totally get that. There's one <laughs> thing with doing things for free, which is nice. You know, <laughs> charity jobs are great. They make you feel good at the end of the day, but it doesn't keep the lights on. You, you get know? your reps in. Right, right, right. Bro, I, uh, I, uh, I, I went, I went and got stage time. I was so desperate for stage time that I went directly after one of my friend's funerals to oh, wow. to go to go do a set. I was like, how in the fuck in a wow. suit? And I was like, oh man, I'm desperate. <laughs> <laughs> But even having know, that I'm mindset of being at a funeral and going, I'm going to tell some jokes. <laughs> Holy shit, Corey. That's that's brutal, man. That, that is some that is some loyalty there. So I, I, I've i been doing this bit. Uh, I had a <laughs> I worked I worked at this job where this, this young girl, this young girl, she was just a couple years younger than me, but yeah. she she was like she like lit up the room. Like she was a very special girl. And I had like this, this small crush on this girl. And then the, the one day she came in and she told everybody that she had just put her two weeks notice in. And then she came in the next day and she had bleached her hair and blonde was not for her. Right. Like, like she had this like natural, she was like Hungarian or something. She had this beautiful, natural dark hair. Yeah, yeah. And then, and then she bleached it. And I was like, Oh, it doesn't fit. My crush for her is kind of gone now. And, and, uh, and then like the day after that, they were like, Oh yeah. You know, that girl who, um, you know, that girl who works here, uh, she just put her two weeks notice in Victoria. Yeah. She, she got killed. She got killed this week. Jesus. Someone, someone had like, she was in the crossfire of some gun violence in the city. Right. Right. And she was at some party that some, that got shot up or something. And, and they were like, okay, so we're going to go to her funeral next week when that happens. Right. And uh, when we got to the funeral, she was, she was super young. And, and uh, the, 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 line, the line went all the way out the building at this church. Yeah. And by the time we got in the line, I could finally see her. And I had forgotten about the blonde. And I was like, ah, too much dye. Oh. Wow. <laughs> nice. <laughs> You know, dad jokes, dad jokes will always rule. Always. And then, and then like about a, then about a week later, I was scrolling through Tinder and I saw her profile and I was going to screenshot and I was like, eh, she's been shot enough. (laughs) (laughs) That's good, man. That's good. But you had me going there. Like you're telling the story and I'm like, oh shit, where's he going? (laughs) <laughs> really bad. Oh, you, you caught me off guard. Very good, man. No, cool, man. I, I, I like a good misdirect sometimes. Yes. Like uh, the, the, the problem I think sometimes with comedy is like you can become such a fan of it that you'll know where a joke's going. Right. Like when it starts. Right. And sometimes I like to, I like to make sure it's like a full misdirect. Like you have no idea where that's coming from. Oh like, yeah, no, I'm I'm really thinking I'm like, oh yeah, Hungarian girl, okay, Victoria, got it, blonde hair, okay, I can see that, bad dyes, oh, I got you. She, <laughs> I I, uh, I worked at, I worked at this job a couple of years ago where I got my I got my older brother hired at the job and they put it in the they put it in like the email list that they had just hired him yeah. and then everybody in the lunch room kept coming up to me and they're like, 
that guy has the same last name as you. Is that that's your brother? Is that your brother? Is that your brother? And I was like, yes, this is my brother. What's he like? What's he like? What's he like? What's he like? And I was like, you think I'm funny. Whether you meet my brother, he thinks I'm hilarious. <laughs> That's right. That's great. That's, awesome. That's a classic mystery. Yes. Oh. So you've been on tons of people's podcasts, uh, or not tons, but I mean, you've been on a good amount of other people's podcasts. And have been interviewed a, a few times here and there. Sure. Out of all those podcasts that you've been on, what's the one question that you've not been asked that you'd wish you had been asked? Mm. Well, shit, I don't know. Honestly. I hmm. What is the one question I wish that other podcasters had asked me? I, I honestly don't know. I, I really don't. Maybe, maybe about music. You know, that's one thing that, you know, all the years of talking wrestling and like you even said, we talk about Walking Dead. We talk about TV. We talk about other sports. We talk about the most random shit sometimes. Jeez. During the whole Trump stuff, I don't think anybody couldn't stop talking about politics. It's like, we're not even the show that does politics. And we were talking about politics. So, yeah, there's never really been a a topic that was off to, off the table, but yeah, I enjoy the hell out of music. I love 90s, 2000s, you know, everything from industrial to different kinds of metal, doom metal, you know, hypocrisy, Metallica, even, you know, early Metallica. I'm a, I'm a Black Album naysayer. So <laughs> when the Black Album came out, I, I stopped enjoying Metallica. <laughs> I'm one of those. I'm like a Cliff Burton and Dave Mustaine fan, too. So, you know, um, well, yeah, no, different kinds of like everything from Bajas to Depeche Mode, like just real eclectic, weird tastes in music. I mean, a lot of that's mainstream, but then I listen to like a lot of just random Cleopatra label stuff, you know, bands that played in front of 20 people and then never again, like Brown Tape for a Blue Girl. Like nobody even knows what the fuck that is in 2022. But, I mean, I'm sure you have a lot of bands like that too, don't you, Corey? So, like, Probably, yeah. yeah. I mean... Like, I'm I'm into a lot of stuff that nobody would think I was ever into, but like a lot of my a lot of my like deep cuts stuff that I'm into that like people would never guess is stuff that like my mom listened to in the in the '90s, like okay. like like all old country like '90s country music was like I, I it's my jam. I could I could pop I go over my mom's house and her have a Spotify playlist on and me like know every one of the songs. Nice, nice. Yeah, see, that's something that, see, those, it's little things like that because I don't know how, how deep you get into music, but man, when I was younger, I there was nothing I would do in my life that I didn't have a, a Sony Walkman, you know, a, a cassette player or, or a little transistor radio next Are to me at all musician? times. Do you play anything? Uh, no, not anymore. I used to. I used to have a, a, a Korg back in the day and I'd play with the synthesizer and stuff. And uh, my uncle had an organ and I used to love doing the Phantom of the Opera bit, you know, but officially, no, I, I played by ear, you know, and synthesizers are pretty much programmable. So you program in certain sounds and then you just start fiddling with that. But nah, nothing official, just played around, you know, never played with guitars or nothing like that, though, either. Or my, my girlfriend's in a band. Oh, yeah. My girlfriend's she's an amazing singer. She was on, she was on, uh, 
She was on the Netflix show Sing On, like the singing competition on Netflix, okay. hosted wow. by Titus Burgess, Damn. episode two. <laughs> <laughs> but she's in a band now called um, The Red Hots, and she's she's a pretty talented singer. Alyssa Marie is what she goes by. Wow. Uh, Very cool. But yes, what uh, sing. What is it? What, what kind of music does she do? It, it, it's a lot of it's a lot of um like right now it's in the in the band she does covers and stuff okay but it's a lot of like pop stuff and a lot of okay okay like, like kind of like top 40 stuff all right a real no that's cool as hell man i mean to it, be able it, to have the vocal chops to do that is it gets people moving yeah. like for sure it seems like it seems like she's got this energy that gets everybody moving at the shows. God. And that's, that's really, that's really, I think probably the venue's favorite stuff. Like when people, people ask for them to have that band back and it's, it's, it's really cool. And she's only been, I mean, the band, the band only started January or something like oh, they shit. haven't even been around for a very wow. long time. Oh, very good. So what about you? Do you play? No, no, no. Everybody thinks that I play something, but I don't. Did you ever not, fiddle? I, I mean, I played this drum. Ah, that's true. But I, I don't, uh, I don't, I, I nowadays, dude, I've been bringing the drum with me to the ring. Um, I, cause the, the way I look at it with, um, and I, and I just talked about this on the last, the last show. So, but, uh, the way I, the way I look at the, the drum and why I use it for, uh, the, the beginning of the show is, uh, as far for it's a it's a it's a symbol for consistency it's a symbol for uh i'm gonna continue to beat my drum the way i beat it i got you and uh when i when i take it to the ring with me and i hit the drum and i and i mix i got i got my theme song custom made and composed by greg massey and it's 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 with drums like this and it's part of me feeling and knowing that this is so much more sacred than, than, than like, there's got such a history of warriors yeah, oh, yeah. inside these ropes. And, and I'm paying respect to those warriors. And I, I, this is, this is so, this is so ceremonial, like what we're doing, the, the emotions that we're pulling up out of people that, that, that stuff is all like, we're creating memories for these people, even if it's stuff that I, do and then i never remember that i did it this is going to be something that lives with somebody who maybe who's never been to a wrestling show before and that's the, kind of the way i i would look at a lot of this stuff because this is another thing that makes me memorable to those people because a good amount of the people that i i just imagine at wrestling shows a good amount of the people have probably never been to live wrestling before right. or probably are, some of them already have their preconceived ideas of what it's going to be like and the this would this is something that brings them out of that and uh, i want to make sure that every show i'm on and this is something i'll say to any like young talent that's in a match with me or on a card with me uh, i always take them over to where the 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 sheet is the sheet that says like what all the matches are yeah and i'll say look at what's before us look at what look at what's after us Let's give them something they're not going to see before or after us. Let's give them something different than anything else they'll see on the show. And I think that's a part of my, 
my my stuff in in the ring the stuff that i do uh, it's an identity I, is what it sounds like it's like yeah it, it's more than just a symbol it's an identity to you yeah it's like i i feel like what i've got left i mean dude i've been taking bumps for 23 years uh that's a that's a hell of a long time. Long time. And uh, I I maybe have never been as good as I am right now. And uh, I want to I want to pass some of that along. Like I guess it's kind of my duty. Not to say that like the wrestling business has never afforded me a, a comfortable living. I've always worked some Joe job, as as uh, Wayne Campbell would say. I got a collection of hairnets and name tags. <laughs> no shit. Yeah. Here, here's one right here. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> a question I wanted to ask you uh, that, that jumped into my head was when you when you um, when you watch things that are centered around Chicago do you have like some sort of like Chicago pride for those things does that sort of resonate with you I used to like like Wayne's World would that no, be like oh, that's, what's that yeah, no, because there's a there's a scene. That's a great example. There's a scene where they literally drive by my house in the Wayne's World movie, uh, and every time I see them go by the actual highway with the giant lips, that was literally right next to where I lived in Chicago with the Magnificent Kiss. So mm -hmm. it was like one of those montage scenes, but it's like, oh, that's where I'm at, right there. That's cool, like, you know. Like we kind of have that here, and oh, I, yeah. I mean, as far as like you know. Rocky, of course, and then of course. and then like Invincible and uh, any any like Philly Pride stuff, and then especially like for me being a young kid, being a wrestling fan, like ECW was here, right? Like oh, so, yeah. as far as like the the kind of like Philly Pride stuff that like I, I'm, you guys had a lot of. I mean, Philly, Philly is the home of wrestling. I mean, it really is the mecca in the U.S. Once upon a time, it was you know, the Sportatorium in Texas. And, like, I mean, there's been different places for it. Chicago had the AWA there. But, I mean, it evolves. Time changes, everything. But Philly absolutely was that map for a very long time. So, it still is. still is in a lot of ways. It really is. You know, because Chicago, eh, Don't get me wrong. I mean, there's still some promotions around here. I, I loved WCPW back in the day. I, I watched even back when... Christopher Daniels was still wearing green trunks and had hair, you know? So <laughs> he used to, it was, they used to show it when I was younger, they would show Windy City Pro Wrestling and then they would put on like some random old school Texas wrestling and like UWF. And this was all on like the free cable network. So nobody was getting any money for this. So it was just, uh -huh. it was just randomly on like Wednesdays and Fridays. And you'd sit there and watch these guys in the gym. And it was awesome. It was fucking awesome. Cause it the, was local, you know, the, the, uh, the syndicated like public access channel yes. that ECW used to come on in Philly, that channel 48 WGTW serving Burlington and Trenton or whatever is serving Burlington and Philadelphia. Like that was, that was their their spot. Yeah. But then, then like later on, CZW went to be on that same network, and and I would see myself on on this TV, Amazing. on the channel that I used to watch ECW on. It was such a 
such a mark out moment. But at the same time, you weren't allowed to be a mark. You weren't. And, and that, that was such a weird thing that just kind of faded away. Yeah. Like, like, bro, I wore a Bret hip. I Bret, I wore a Bret Hart shirt uh, to a wrestling show recently. Yeah. And nobody was like, Hey, you Mark. Like, I feel like in the early two thousands, people would have been like, no, quit fucking marking out. Like, you weren't allowed to be a mark back then. It was like, it was, was like, it just, was it? Was it? So let me ask you about that because I mean I've done years and years worth of criticizing different aspects of wrestling, you know, just coming from the fan basis. But is it because it was seen as a sign of weakness, or um, was it something else? It, it is. It's. It's. It's a direct. Um, when you're when you're one of the boys, you're not talking about the other boys, because if you're talking about the other boys, you belong in the other side of the barricade. That was that was the 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 psychology behind it. That was what was drilled in. You don't you you don't belong, you don't belong as one of the guys. But you guys were about, all inspired by other right, boys. Right? Like those are the those were the reasons we're in the ring. But we can't talk about the product anymore. Like, and I think that's still the idea. Like, even sometimes, like if I'll if I'll tweet about like Raw or AEW or something like that, like I think uh, sometimes sometimes you'll read a random comment that'll be like, "Hey, you know, y- you just seem like you're another one of the fans. Like, you don't seem like you're somebody who's in the business." And then sometimes, if you if if you talk about it and you talk in an unflattering way. Sometimes that'll get back to one of those boys and they're like, Oh, I can't believe one of the, one of the boys. So one of the boys is shit talking me. And it's like, I don't think, I don't think it's that serious, bro. Right. Yeah. I, it's, it's interesting because I don't think that criticism is anywhere near as destructive. Uh, and I, I don't even mean as far as wrestlers among wrestlers, but I mean, even from the fans, if you go back, like you were even bringing up those CZW boards, vicious, fucking vicious. I mean, people would talk shit about families. They talk Bro, shit about their girlfriend. You know, and, you know, dude, they used to, they used to shit on me for, I, I like when I first started, I, right. I would wear a shirt, but I was a young kid and I was in shape or whatever. But they would be like, why does he even bother wearing a shirt? What's wrong with him? And then they like, shit all over me. Right. Like, what the hell, man? Yeah, yeah. You're just like, dude, I, I just woke I you guys, up. You guys are, I thought you guys were fans of this stuff. Why right. do you? like? But uh, of course I was wearing a shirt because I was an insecure kid. Right. right. Like, sure. Just, I, but sure they, I had those. That now, Corey, if somebody sat there and went on social media and said, why in the fuck is... Corey wearing a short a, a shirt you know people would defend you and go why are you body shaming Corey? Right. why are you what's the matter with you 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 hate fat people you hate skinny <laughs> people what's wrong with you like there is so much outrage now in defense against bullying that it's almost become bullying like counterculture bullying as opposed to what it used to be because everybody's trying to be so safe like don't 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 say anything that's going to rile anybody up. Keep the status quo, you know. It's really there's some effort behind trying to bubble wrap the world. And inside of that, you're trying to rewrite history. Yeah. And and I think that the the old the old saying like the history books are written by the winners. 
Yeah. And the losers don't want to accept that. Oh shit. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I mean, we're all we're all kind of losers sometimes, and that's fine. It's fine to kind of be a loser sometimes. If you win all the time, you probably suck as a person. There's probably <laughs> something wrong with you. Like you don't know how to lose if you win all the time. Like learn losing, how to lose. Losing builds character. It yes. really does. And I know it sounds so corny to say, but you you understand how you handle things better when you're at your worst. You understand what you can take. You understand how you can take it, and you understand how to climb out of it. You know, this, yeah, this man. Is... I think every single person that ever watches this, and every person that we've known, has had a moment in their lives where they didn't know, they didn't know which way it was up. I think that's what establishes us as as human beings is just that that strength to kind of fucking move forward, whether it's you know somebody yelling in your ear telling you get the fuck out there. Or it's you finally picking yourself up and going, what the fuck am I doing to myself? You know? It's um, it's strange. Like, I talk about this all the time on here, and I, I think I think oh, maybe I you'll, philosophical talk. You'll, 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 you'll appreciate this. Uh, from a very young age, and probably the age that, that you probably saw me, was uh, back then, I, I uh, got inside of what I call the spoiler business. Like, checking those checking those run sheets and i've i brought up the run sheets now like three times so yes. sure i'll bring it up again but see like seeing the names and all the matches and then like they'd write out like they'd write out like where they wanted it to go like what what story they wanted to tell in it or and then they'd like they'd like underline who was over like so i'd have a spoiler of what was happening before it ever happened but it wouldn't stop me from still wanting to watch it so uh, whenever there's any kind of spoilers or anything at all now, when it comes to uh, a match that happened or a result that happened, like I kind of already know where it's heading anyway. Yeah. Like, I, I, if when I watch, when I watch wrestling, I, I kind of watch it differently. Now I watch it way differently now, like where I'll understand where it's headed. I'm kind of Wade and Gretzkying the whole, the whole business. The whole match, not not saying Wayne Gretzkying it because I'm the great one. <laughs> Does it ruin your appreciation of it as a fan? Not really. No, I mean, I think I appreciate it sometimes yeah. a little bit more okay. than than I think some. And and it's it's weird. I, I had like a, a a weird discussion with one of my friends recently about. He's like, oh, this guy's been a fan of since the seventies and the territory days, like you think you're a better, you think you have a, a more of an authority on uh, your fandom of wrestling. And I'm like, I have a perspective that that guy doesn't have. Like, right. Oh yeah. Sure, totally. he can, sure. You can, he can have loved it since the seventies and the territory days, but he's never touched a rope. He's never stepped in a ring. He does a, a good amount of, a good amount of the lessons that I, I think I learned, uh, through through getting out like i think me leaving czw like in 2004 probably i got my best education outside of there like getting out from being a student and like being looked at like i'm a student and like getting out there and just doing it for for a good amount of years i was just like 
brought into companies just to put over ticket sellers. Yeah. But like that gave me that gave me experience. That like taught me how to how to 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 tell the story the way I wanted to control the narrative, if you will. <laughs> but but for sure, I mean, I I I learned I learned that that most of the people who are watching you have never experienced this. Have don't know what it's don't know what it's like to even touch a ring. So like I went, still think that's a really weird flex that somebody would even even a fan from the 70s would sit there and tell a wrestler that and somebody that's been in the business, maybe not even a wrestler, maybe even a ref or, or a guy that's been ring announcing for 20 years. It doesn't matter. Mm -hmm. Tell somebody on that level that. They oh, it wasn't that. It wasn't that guy. It was my friend just being an asshole. Oh, OK. OK. Because I'm like, I'm like, geez, man, that's just a level of ego that sometimes fans and, and look and I know podcasters get it, too, because sometimes a lot of us podcasters, you know, we, we talk a big game. And sometimes we need to be shut the fuck down. And I'm lucky to be surrounded by a guy who can shut me the fuck down when I say <laughs> something stupid, you know? And yeah. I understand that. And that that's another thing, too, is being willing to accept you're wrong. I think that's just a, a good human trick, let alone podcaster. But there's mm -hmm. a lot there's a lot of people that, that think just because they get behind a microphone, they have more value to their opinions than mm -hmm. people that are actually in the business. You know, dude, it's, it's kind of like respecting your elders. It's like respecting the people in the profession. If somebody in the profession told me, no, Mish, you're wrong. Shut the fuck up. I'm going to shut the fuck up. They're going to be like, okay, well, can you at least tell me why? You know, like it's, mm -hmm. it's a questionnaire kind of thing as opposed to a, well, no, I don't think so. Cause I've been, there's people out there like that though, Corey. Yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, <laughs> and, and, and that kind of, that kind of attitude uh, when I was younger, for sure, I would have been mad about. But yeah. now I don't get mad about that kind of stuff because, like, I don't, I don't have time to try to change somebody's mind about it. So I'll just accept it and I'll say, I, I need me to be me and I need you to be you. And if you're the type of person who feels the way you are, like, I need that to to challenge to challenge me. Man, like, you are a good dude to to be able to take that on the chin like that. <laughs> I, I'm serious. It's no bullshit. Total bro, respect, because bro. Uh, Years ago, I was wrestling a show at the Hamburg Fieldhouse, uh, and I can't believe this is still in my brain. I was wrestling a show at the Hamburg Fieldhouse, and I had this was my my second show for this company, and uh, and the guy who was doing commentary was like, he came up to me and he was like, "Oh, are are you gonna are you gonna um, what move are you gonna what move are you gonna finish the match with?" Hopefully it's not the same move from last time because that one sucked. And I was like, bro, that's my fucking finish, bro. <laughs> I was like, I was like, I, I was like, one more time. I'm gonna ask you to never fucking talk to me again. One, two, you owe not only owe me a big apology, but you owe me the respect of never oh, fucking absolutely. walking in a wrestling building ever again. Like, this is I've been doing this move. And finishing matches with this move for like a decade. And it's over everywhere. So eat shit, die slow, motherfucker. <laughs> Good for you, man. Seriously. People like that, they need to be put in check sometimes. People, I think everybody needs to be put in check at some point or else you don't know your privilege. Mm -hmm. But 
in situations like that, it was like, your right. It was absolutely your right. I was like, I'm well within my rights to absolutely. fucking hurt you, dude. <laughs> absolutely. Like, like if this was a different time, and I say this to people in shows all the time, right? If this is a time where kayfabe still existed oh, the way that's... it did back in the day, I would be obligated to fucking hurt you, right? To You're... teach you a lesson. Doctor Death, Steve Williams, absolutely. Mm -hmm. Go back to the head, bouncing fucking reporters' heads off the wall. You know, <laughs> like, yeah. Does this, does this feel fake? <laughs> you know, like, I, the, yeah. The, oh, there's, I a, there's a phrase that I've been using, and I want to see if if you'd like to borrow it because it's something I commonly use. I use it pretty often, and I like it to. I'd like it to be a thing that people actually use pretty often. So, uh, like, you know, you know what a like a worked shoot is, right? So, uh, like, kind of, kind of like everything is in that like work shoot area. Mm -hmm. I inside of that, I because like you're you're tweeting stuff, you're tweeting stuff that's like about your personal life as well as like tweeting stuff that's in gimmick. Right. right. I I I call that stuff gray fabe because it's inside of that that gray gray area where it's like you're not really shoot you and you're not really work right. you. So this this is. Everything, everything on this show, everything on this feed is all gray fade. Right. So it's like you're, you know, it's kind of shoot, kind of work, and you can't really tell the difference. Like that's that's kind of what that MJF promo recently yes. was. It was gray fade. He gray faded the shit out of the promo. He, he really does have financial concerns. <laughs> right. At the same time, at the end of the day, he's still trying to make his character work. So mm -hmm. yeah. I like that gray fade. Was pretty good, man. I, I you know what you do with that. You, you get one of those pro wrestling tees and you put it in a in a darker gray on a lighter gray shirt in text. Hmm. So you have to look at it and then they'd be like, like maybe even if, do you know what I'm saying? Like, so you get like either a light gray, or I would even say you go with a lighter gray on a darker gray shirt. Gray fade. That's not bad, man. Do, That's good, Corey. Do you have a, do you have a pro wrestling tee store? Yeah. yeah, we got one for wrestling soup. Got a bunch up. I mean, um, let's see. yeah, I'm trying to remember. I think it's just wrestling soup at, at prowrestlingtees.com <laughs> forward slash wrestling soup. Well, yeah. well, you go ahead and design a, a design a, a gray fabe shirt and put it up on your store, and I'll put it up on my store also. <laughs> I got, I have a, a pro wrestling tees. I put it up on your store. It's your phrase, sir. Well, you came up with the idea for wow. the shirt. <laughs> That's why I'm saying. You put it up, man. Serious. Why not? I like that phrase. I, I think that's that's clever as fuck. This I think people line, the lines people have become so blurred. Right yeah. Well, that's yeah. the other thing too, though. Is so social media now. You're you know, shit. You've been here pre and post social media. Mm -hmm. You've been wrestling since MySpace was around, dude. You know? When I when I first started wrestling. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> my my first theme song was uh, oh, oh, oh let me let me start by saying that the way i found my first pro wrestling school was through an ad in the newspaper wow <laughs> and my first theme song was on a cassette tape nice <laughs> Ah, that's a fuck. That's a fucking that's dying awesome. breed. If you ever heard of a dying breed in wrestling, this this guy. No, that's awesome though, man. Shit, <laughs> people don't even know what the fuck. 
cassette tapes and papers are anymore. You know? <laughs> Newspapers and cassette tapes. Yeah. Oh, back in my day. There it is. There it is. What, what were you were you going to ask about the internet? Yeah, no, I was just going to say, like, you know, with, with the way wrestling fans have been pre and, and post social media, per se, and with the way that wrestler accounts have been. Because, see, I remember a lot of wrestler accounts back during the MySpace days. And it was just, it was simple. It was like more along the lines of here's how to contact me for bookings and stuff like that. Here is where I'll be in the next few weeks, et cetera. Like it was more of an informational page, which is funny because my, my space was so wacky and, and kids don't even remember this. It was so wacky. You had your top nine friends lists and you had like all the, the, the glittery all shit everywhere. All the gifts, all the gifts and, oh, yeah. and the music player. Music, yep. Yeah, yeah. Like it was you'd go there, every single page was a was a party page. Nobody had a boring MySpace page. You'd have video game scores up there and stuff like that. Like it was just wild. I had I had uh Ash from Evil Dead gifts on nice. my on my MySpace page and Papa Roach songs. Nice. Yeah. And it's like then you look at Facebook and Facebook is bland as shit. Yeah. They only <laughs> kept taking away more stuff. I, and I think... uh but but as far as the way people react on social media, do you do you wish it was more like the days where it was MySpace, where social media was a little bit more, I, I don't know, personal? Well, the as thing the now. thing is, I think back back to that the topic of inclusion yeah. for sure. Inclusion is important, and representation is very very important. I really truly believe that from from the bottom of my my soul. I truly believe that that shit is super important. And everybody deserves to feel heard, and everybody. Yeah. deserves to feel seen and everybody deserves unconditional love for sure but when it comes to i think there was an era in wrestling where you weren't anybody go when you came into it wrestling was the thing that gave you a platform that made you known by people yeah and after myspace came along and after facebook came along everybody felt like they were already famous because people could see them on facebook like like the 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 level of arrogance with with younger people coming into wrestling like they already had they already had a voice that people were paying attention to yeah and that that it it it, it kind of like it kind of like watered down the amount of humility that people would have wow because yeah. you, you were, I, I remember, dude, my, my first day I met Eddie Valentine, and, and I, I've told this story many times. And I, I, <laughs> I'm just texting with him just a couple minutes ago. But nice. um, he, the, first, the first time I got in the ring with him, we were doing four corners, like just like where you just kind of do everything on the fly. You're just kind of figuring out on the fly. And I spaced for like a second, and he, he, he hit me with a forearm like stiff. Huh. knocked me loopy on the ground. And he said, don't ever look at me like you don't know what you're doing. Wow. And, uh, and, and I, I did that in a, in a promo. I, I had wrestled him like in December and in a promo, I said, I said, you told me first day, uh, if you, if you look at me with a face, like you don't belong here, then you don't right, right now. You're looking at me and I know I belong here, but I know you don't. And I, that was like, that was, it was a, a neat full circle. It's 
it's I, I've been I've been so so lucky to have been taught be the right be the the funny thing is is like I'm always like oh well well maybe I get more spots if I'm the right person the right place at the right time and sometimes that that just doesn't happen for people the way it does but dude I'm so grateful for the person I was and the places I've been in the times I've been that person in that place yeah. like for me to be the the kid that was like molded by these male these male figures who just right. really who who really like toughened me up and taught me how to be a man i i, I give tons of credit to eddie valentine and john Dahmer, but like i also have to give a ton of that credit to to my my uh tag partner matt bomboy he really helped me out uh but that's also probably a tag team you probably never heard of me and him we're, we're a team like in 2008, 9, 10, like probably till like 2011, maybe. Yeah. Wow. And um, like he, he just maybe, maybe if you, if you, uh, maybe, maybe have seen him on like, on like Chikara. He was like in Chikara back in the okay. day. But um, we, we will work, we constantly work for, promotions that no one's ever heard of and we're 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 very on the fringe of like mainstream and and and, uh, and that's kind of fine like maybe uh <laughs> it's, it's authentic it's, i mean yeah it's it's, it's it's part of that like it's part of that part of um me saying like when the the stakes are low i'd rather mess up when the stakes are low instead of mess up when the stakes are really high and right, at this right. point, I think that I have a value inside of inside of the business where I can teach, I can teach people how to be over, so that they can go and be over in the bigger companies, and teach them how to tell stories, and 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 and, and point out like little things that are like so they're so minute, but they're a thing that will be an important part of every single time you're at another event. I remember, uh, I don't know. Do you know Chuck Payne? No. He works for Tremont's company. Okay. Um, he was trained by Mike Keener, uh, the ECW referee Mike Keener. Oh, okay. Yeah. And um, I remember, I remember his first day he was training. Uh, the first day, I'm sorry, not the first day he was training. The first day, the first time he had a match, the first show where he had a match, and he was having such a hard time remembering spots. And I remember, and I remember being like, "Think about your favorite song. Think about your favorite song and how you memorize it." And then you're like, "Oh, when this part hits, you know the next verse is starting this way. Look at a wrestling match that way." And he was like, "You might have just changed the whole thing for me." So like, you turn it into like word association, kind of like if you when so like when, when when people want to remember somebody's name like that's the whole thing like if they look at you and they'd say Corey castle Corey castle how am i gonna remember oh ck ck like calvin klein okay so i'll remember ck is Corey castle like it's this weird connection and then they look at you and they're like oh okay i get it castle east coast like heaven castle and that's that's kind of how you teach wrestling then how how to remember moves and spots yeah and and it's like Sometimes I'll sometimes I'll wait for opportunities to give feedback. Okay. But I'm not going to automatically give you unsolicited feedback. <laughs> okay. Right. Like so. Uh, 
Is that a bad thing too? Unsolicited feedback? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it could give you eco. It could give you issues with yourself. Like you can, I think if you're brand new and somebody gives you unsolicited feedback, you can be like, well, I suck and I'm never going to get good. Well, there's like, constructive ways to do right, it though. Right, there is, there is. But I mean, I'm kind of a jerk. I'm kind of a jerk sometimes uh, when it comes to like feedback. Uh, Joey says you're a really nice guy. So I doubt that there, Corey. <laughs> well, like uh, my friend Gotti, my friend Gotti, <laughs> he brought me to a show with him. And uh, the students from Keikawa's school worked. And I had, I had just been training with them at the, at the uh, work rate school like weeks before that. And uh, what, one of the students came in the back and I was like, bro, I don't know how to tell you this, but like, you're the most blown up I've ever seen anyone ever in my life. Hmm. <laughs> and, and Gotti brings that up every single time. <laughs> and uh, Killian McMurphy came in the back and he was like, he was like, how was our match? What would, what would make it better? Like he, he came up to me asking me right. and I was like, what would make it better? would probably be better opponents because those guys suck. <laughs> <laughs> oh, so man. those those little those little mean jerk Corey Castle vet angry vet moves uh are stuff that Gotti never lets me forget about. Yeah but people like they gotta understand you're saying that out of out of love almost right I mean it's not like you don't harbor any ill will towards these people it's right, just right it's a tough love stuff that doesn't really exist so much anymore. You know? I, I just, I just want to help. Right, right, right. I'm not I trying to hurt you. I'm not I, trying to hurt you, baby. I've, I started doing, I started doing this, this line in, this pro, in promos now, where I'm like, you can be a better version of yourself. All you have to do is be more like me. <laughs> nice. Say that in all my promos now, <laughs> but I kind of mean it. <laughs> But I don't I don't mean it like just be like me, but I mean like right. like like be open to the idea of there can be stuff you change about yourself. There yeah. can be stuff you tweak about what you you're never fully set. You're never fully right. done. Like I I'll I'll change my style up every once in a while. I'll be like, okay, I'm gonna make sure in this match. I hit none of my big finishers. I hit none of my big signature moves because like, eh, you know, like I'll just, just to switch it up. I'll just do stuff I've never done before. Just to, just to, to see what it's like. Let me ask you a question. Kind of, kind of on topic, kind of a little bit off. So with the way that the media has changed from like when we were talking about the MySpace days and it's reflection of like how podcasters and fans look at wrestling. Do you think that overall the media has been unfairly negative more now? Or do you think it's a lot more inclusive now than it used to be? As far as wrestling goes, as far as the media, like I said, like wrestling podcasters and stuff like that, looking on the product. Um, it seems a little less filtered. It seems a little more it seems a little harsher, you know what I mean? And there's, there's no shame in, in being harsh for, for some people, but it's sometimes, sometimes I think a good amount of people get real nervous when they're in front of a camera or in front of a mic 
if they have a mic in front of them, they get super nervous. Dude, that yeah. used to be me. That used to be me. Uh, you know, do you know Rick Feinberg? Name sounds familiar. Well, he used to do like the the Rob Weinstein gay gimmick and oh yeah, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. early two thousands. That that's Rick. That's Rick Connor. Yeah. He's he's my best friend. That's my best friend. That's oh, the guy. Okay. That's, oh, shit. That's, that's the guy. That's the guy who who gave Famous. me this. Awesome. Yeah. Okay. Uh, but um, that's cool, man. He, I just uh, how was I, was I bringing him up? What were we just talking about? Oh, him and I. Him and I used to do comedy sketches together. We used to do sketch comedy. And we, we, we would film that stuff. And I remember before every sketch, I was nervous as shit. When, I, when the camera was on me, I was always nervous. Yeah. I was always sweaty and I was always nervous. And I don't know if that, like, that didn't really, I don't think that really showed through in my performance, but I remember feeling it. I remember being like chills. All yeah, the time. yeah, yeah, yeah. Kind of like the same nerves you get before a match right. or something. But I don't, I don't have that anymore. But did people say negative things to you about that, or? No, no, no. It was just something I noticed. Something I noticed that, like, I feel like the the amount of nerves people are desensitized to 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 feeling those those nerves anymore because they've lived a life under a microscope or in front of a camera or in front of a microphone. They've like they've had front facing cameras on their phone their whole lives. Yeah. And that's not something that's yeah, not something involved. I would have ever even ever even imagined as a kid. Man, it was this kind of funny because I just got uh the little woman a, a new Motorola phone, one of the, the new G Powers or G Powered 2022s or whatever, because that's what she likes. But it was her first time ever actually using her phone to watch television. She never watched apps or anything else. So I'm like installing HBO on her phone and sling and everything else like that. And it's just mind blowing because I know we were talking about technology a little bit, you know, earlier and stuff like that. But it's mind blowing to think that I can sit there and watch, you know, WWE or AEW right off my phone while I'm at work, while I'm, you know, sitting in a parking lot somewhere. You know, well, it's just I, it's it's wild how far technology has come. You know, I just heard you talking about that. Um, yeah. You were saying something like you didn't want to spend all this money on an iPhone or something like. Right, right. Was that on like today's episode? No, it was a little while ago. But, okay, yeah. but I was like, I was like, yeah, okay, I can see that. That's why, like, when I sent you the podcast uh, to check it out, I sent you the Spotify link because I was like, oh, he, I can't send him the, uh, Apple, like, right, he, right. Because <laughs> I, I heard you the Apple. I mean, we still have so many people that listen to us through Apple Podcasts, mm. formerly iTunes, now it's Apple Podcasts. But yeah, no. I mean, as far as platforms go, fuck. I saw our shows on Roku. Um, so they they've iHeartRadio, Stitcher. Obviously, we we did the Stitcher Awards even back in the day. You know, uh, iTunes, Clear Channel, like all these Spotify, Amazon. It's wild to think how many different places. A people actually want to listen to you from which is just crazy to me and then b realizing that there's people in like uzbekistan listening to wrestling soup on a thursday night like what? yeah it's it's so. it's it's funny to watch like the the, the geolocations yes. on, on like your anchor statistics or spreaker right and be like oh look people in india are following right well what, what could be interesting about this to them that's got to be cool as shit for you too, 
just getting random comments from people halfway across the globe that you've never even been to their country going, man, I loved your match. <laughs> you know, like, well, I mean, I feel, I feel like, I feel like when I, when I debuted in, in CZW and it was a, and, sure. and it was a, it was a, it was a well-known independent at that time. Uh, I became very Googleable at a very young age. <laughs> nice. And, and, uh, and I did not expect that. I didn't expect, but uh, seeing, seeing my name and results in different languages and, and different, different countries, websites and stuff was, was really, really cool to me. Like, but I don't, I, I'm not sure. I think Do when you I Google was, yourself still Corey or no, occasionally. Yeah. I yeah. mean, okay. yeah, I mean, um, I mean, I think <laughs> this, this sounds arrogant, but it's really, truly not. This is humble as possible. But I look at my life like if I wasn't me, I'd wish I was. Oh, shit. That's a, I like that. And uh, I, if, if, if I wasn't me, I'd want to listen to my podcast. If I wasn't me, I'd want to watch my comedy. And I'd, I'd want to watch my matches. Like I'd want my matches to be the type of matches that I'd want to see. Yeah. That's, that's why I, I structured them in the way that I do. That's why, um, like, that's why I keep things. Oh, it's cool. Authentic as, well, man. Authentic as far as like, I want to, to make sure that, 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 if, if that's, I, I, I don't want people to be me, but I want other people to live the type of life where if they weren't them, they wish they were. Yeah, because you want people to love themselves because that's mm -hmm. probably one of the hardest things for people to do in this day and age is be able to respect themselves and look in the mirror without wincing. You know, believe me, I know I do it. Mm -hmm. I ain't perfect. I have a lot of flaws. And, and every time I look in that mirror, I see those flaws. It's well, not just why? physical, you know, it's why? Because we're people. And it's well, I mean, if you want to, that's, get that's very point. general. Yeah, you're right. You're right. I mean, in the symbolic sense of it, it's because a lot of people, myself included, probably don't forgive everything that we've done to ourselves. You know what I mean? Like, dude, I'm, I'm a heavy guy now. 15 years ago, I wasn't. 15 years ago, I was sinewy and, and much skinnier. I think I was, at, at my best, I was 210 at six, six and a half. So I'm six foot six now. I was 210. But it was it was a good mix. I wasn't a fat dude at all, you know. I could see my rib cage at two ten. Um, now I'm a big dude, and that's that's because of not food, but a lack of motion. And now I'm I'm getting better at it. Actually, when I went out to DC and stuff like that, I was actually kind of happy to see everybody comment saying, "Oh, you've you've lost a bunch of weight." It's like, yeah, I've been cutting out all the carbs, been cutting out all the shit, been making stages, but. When you look at yourself in the mirror, all I see, and I'm sure other people that have like weight issues too, see the abuse that they've done to themselves to make uh, them. This. Can, can I? Can I? Can I interrupt for one second? Uh, I've, I've myself, I have body issues myself. Uh, body dysmorphia is real hard. People commenting on my body when I'm when I'm a teenager. Uh, oh, I, I, yeah. I, it, it's not something that has ever gone away. You were uh, in the limelight from 15. I mean, Jesus Christ, I. Yeah, you're in a 
different, a whole different world, man. I, I, you deal with I fully feel that body dysmorphia, yeah. and I feel I feel that that stuff when I look in the mirror now, and I go, "Well, I've been I've been working this job from home. Yeah, I've been working this job from home, so I'm so not motivated to get up and go work out. Right. When like for sure, I worked at a gym before this. I was in the gym every day. I was getting paid to work out. Like, yeah. and now, now I'm this unmotivated blob and I feel this shame and I'll shake my belly when the mirror, right, like, right. it's, it's something I do, but I, it doesn't make me feel any different about who I am. It's, it's, well, do you think that's a twofold thing? Do you think the reason it doesn't change the other aspects of how you view yourself is because you've been dealing with that shit and people's opinions of you since you were 15 publicly like that? That's a life, man. That is a whole fucking life right there. No, I don't. I don't think that that has much to do with it. As okay. much as, um, I think sometimes it'll be like, oh well, what what bookings do I have coming up? Like, I think sometimes it'll be like, oh, do I have to be in tights again soon? Like, and that that kind of like I'm I'm Dennis Stamp on the trampoline <laughs> with the witch, <laughs> right? <laughs> Never know when you you have to be ready. There. <laughs> so, I I I, uh, I think, bro, I, I let's make this less about me for a second. Okay. And, and 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 really really dive into who you were 15 years ago. Sure. Who you were 15 years ago? You you weren't married 15 years ago. No, no, no. You you weren't as good of a broadcaster 15 years ago. No. You didn't have the maturity or perspective that you've got now 15 years ago. Right. Uh, the 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 amount of time we spend comparing ourselves to not just other people but to our former versions of ourselves acting like that somehow was better. Like maybe maybe you looked you looked better uh, right, or aesthetic, right, right, right. you know, optically more pleasing, but, but like who you are, who you are is a result of all of the, all the, the struggles that you've had sure. and all, all of the, all the shit that you've endured and have, have <laughs> one more time. I'm going to do this one more time. You're not wrong. You, so like that, I, I, I just, I kind of, if I, if I could, if I could give you a challenge, if I could give you a challenge, would you accept that challenge? Sure. I'm always down, man. Okay. So when you have a thought, when you have a thought about, about uh, your body, and you feel some 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 like shame in the mirror. I, I I want you to then combat that thought with everything that you're grateful for that you have now. Because gratitude attracts gratitude attracts more positive things. Sure. If if for just even for just a little while, and I think sometimes words are really important too. So if you're if you're kinder to yourself in your words that you use, yeah. instead of saying like, I'm an idiot or I suck. Cause you're going to start really truly believing that. And you're yeah. also, if you, if you speak that out loud and in front of people who don't really know you, they're going to feel like it's okay for them to say that about you too. 
Absolutely. And it's not. Right. <laughs> so sometimes when I hear like some of my best friends or people that I, that I love the most tell me like some, some real doubtful stuff about themselves or shame themselves in some way, I'm like, please don't say that about my dear friend. Like I wouldn't be okay with someone coming up to you and saying, Hey, Mish, you're a fat piece of shit. I would, I would automatically, automatically be like, yo, dude, get the fuck out of here. But see, like, isn't that kind of like, all right. So, I mean, not, not to so kind of stand up for yourself to yourself. But that's what I'm saying is people can call me a piece of shit and it's not going to bother me. It only bothers me because it would be me looking at the mirror myself. Do you know what I'm saying? Like mm -hmm. other people's opinions, that's where you, we were talking about earlier, the way it used to be versus the way it is now. You know, it's not onion skin thin. I mean, now today it's different. Back then, no, you, you probably heard some horrible shit. <laughs> you probably read some horrible, horrible shit that you couldn't even say today, you know? Yeah. But yeah. this, this was like every day. This was every day, multiple times a day. And it wasn't even people being honest. It was just people being derogatory for the sake of being derogatory. Oh, That's uh -oh. why I was trying to say it's like you bring up the fact that other people shouldn't call Mish a piece of shit and stuff like that. And I understand where you're going with that because you don't want other people to feel that way about you. But to me, it's not even that. That's not even the issue. And it's never been the issue. It's the way as a person you look at yourself you know one one of one of my, one of my best friends uh his name's ash he's he's like five six yeah he's like five six and if there's ever any complaint that anyone has about anything especially me he'll be like what are you complaining about you're tall can you imagine <laughs> right him like complaining to him about anything and him being like dude you're six six what do you you know what do you Right. What, what's your what's your issue i mean i'm <laughs> i'm i'm six foot i'm not six six i mean yeah, that's yeah. tall that's I, I if i could have chose to be six six i would have chose to be six six nice so true truly man i think we spend way too much time comparing ourselves to to other people as well as comparing ourselves to our former versions of ourselves because like bro like that version of you didn't have anything figured out. Right. Didn't oh, have yeah. everything figured out. Like you just were somehow your metabolism was different. Somehow your, your diet worked for you at the time. Oh, different job even dude. I mean, foods changed. Life changed. Yeah. Like, oh, I, I totally get it. And I like your advice. I like your, your challenge. You're, you're dead on about that. Corey. I mean, challenge myself to remember what's changed for the positive since I idolize the way I used to look. I, I like that. That's fucking clever. I appreciate that. Is is that logo? I've been meaning to ask you this. That logo is that designed after the coon? No, <laughs> no. It, it's an evolution of the logo. The, the guy who first made this version of the wrestling soup logo was a, was a, a a guy named Jeff Zorno. He's a New York comic book artist who worked for Marvel and DC and IDW. He was known for doing uh, uh, the Godzilla comics mm -hmm. for uh, uh, Dark Horse, I believe it was at the time. And yeah, a lot of other stuff too. Like, I mean, he worked in tons of comics and he was a fan of the show and everything else like that. And he he designed that for us, the original one. 
Uh, the the original original one that I had, I made that. I stole that. Do you remember the old show, The Soup? Yeah, it used to be yeah. on entertainment. Yeah, that was. Yeah, cool. I figured, dude. When I saw that your show was named Wrestling Soup, I was like, oh, just like the E show yeah. with uh, and it was was John Henson when it. Yeah, well, there was Joel McHale. Joel McHale like was yeah. uh, you know, the the. I think John Henson was like the 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 early nineties or something. Yeah. Yeah, there was a bunch of them too. Oh gosh! And then there was Web Soup that with Chris Hardwick. Nerd Soup, yeah. There was Nerd Soup. There was Web Soup. There was a few others too. There was a bunch of soups. There was there was a bunch of soups. Yeah. When, when uh, I first saw the name of your show, I was like, "That's so perfect!" Like, I I I hope you guys are huge. Like you 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 okay. should be with that name. Like it's such a such a catch to have found that name. It was such a weird. Weird way the show started to out of the blue because it started off as a companion show to DT. Because mm-hmm. back in back in 2009 and 2010, I mean, those chat rooms, I don't know if you were ever a fan back then of his shows, but when DT and KC used to do shows during pay per views, they would have almost about 10,000 people in their chat room. Wow, wow, that's I, I only discovered, I only discovered, um. Kevin Castle through you, like oh, okay. through, through uh, being a fan of your guys. Oh, I mean, I think I, cool. you know, I've come in and out over the years yeah. of being being like a a pretty religious listener to the podcast. And now, how was that viewed among among your 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 coworkers? I mean, do do wrestlers appreciate podcasts, or is it kind of looked at as like? Uh, Here's a bunch of assholes talking shit. I think it really depends on it. Really depends on the types of perspectives that you hear from the assholes. I like bet. if it's oh shit, what is, a whale's asshole? Like <laughs> hell is. <laughs> was, that, was that a deep callback? Oh my god! Uh, but. Yeah, I think it it really depends on if the person has the type of attitude towards the business that's respectful, if they have the type of attitude towards like it, like it's not critical. Like I think w- with <laughs> you're you're not critical oh, in a negative one, dude. Yeah, I mean, we've I know Joe and I've been critical about a lot of things over the years. I mean, but I'd like to believe we've always tried to be fair. Mm. Yeah. I've, I've, I've shot my mouth off a few times where I'm like, I've even gone back and went, ah, you know, (laughs) if I look at it like this, if you're talking on a free speaking podcast and there isn't something that you say that you don't regret, then you're not being honest with your emotions at the time. It doesn't Mm -hmm. necessarily have to, permanently condemn and damn everything like what i say goes and there is no it's it's never been that but i think people are emotional creatures and the good podcasts are the ones that aren't trying to openly hurt people mm-hmm. but at the same time can call out the, the shit i don't know I, I this was about your opinion i, I don't want to talk about <laughs> i'm curious about your thoughts on this uh, i i it's the same thing. The same thing. Um, when I say like I'll, I'll have like people ask me, 
ask me if I'll watch their matches for them. Okay. They'll, they'll say, um, they'll say, Hey, can you watch my match? And, uh, or they'll say that to any vet. They'll say, Hey, come watch my match. And if I start watching the match and their footwork sloppy and their lockup sucks, I stop watching it. Okay. So if, if I was listening to it for minutes that I, I couldn't, I couldn't see myself continuing to listen to it, then I would just turn it off. I guess that's the same as any opinion that you would have about any wrestling pod or any podcast, not just a wrestling podcast, any, any show, any TV show, any movie. You, if, if it's like, uh, I can't, I can't, um, you know, what's another like very mean thing I've done, uh, is I've had guys ask me to watch their matches and I will, I will, see that their footwork sucks or I'll see that their lockup sucks and I'll stop watching it. And then if they ask me about it, I'll be like, Nope, missed it. Sorry. I was, I was getting changed or something yeah, like, and, and then uh, I, I, I've used this example a few times to spare their feelings. though, is what it sounds like. Kind of, Yeah, maybe I, I don't really, I mean, it's kind of a mean thing, but like very low key, very not like not blatantly mean. Um, but I, I'll be like, tell me what happened in the match. Like, go over everything. Tell me every single thing that happened. Yeah. And I'm like, you know, hopefully they can remember enough to tell me what had happened. And I'm like, wow, that did that get over? Like, how'd the fans react to that? Yeah. Uh, and the one one time that this happened, I can't remember oh, the kid's name. I, he's not going to hear this anyway. But but uh, <laughs> he 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 was like. He said, something, I said, how did it get over? Like, how did the fans react? Yeah. And he said, like, they, they, they went, they were really into it. And, and then I was like, oh. And he was like, that's all that matters, right? And I was like, no, lots of stuff matters. <laughs> no, so much stuff matters. Right. Like, there's, there's nuance to it all. You cannot just say, as long as it was over, that's all that matters. The crowd was into it. That's all that matters. No. A lot more people besides just the crowd have to be into it. You've got to be into it. You've got to be into what you're doing. Like, and I feel like that's kind of what, what I've been watching. Um, and, and I, I hesitate to say this because like, for sure, uh, I'd, I'd go work for AEW if they wanted me, but uh, who knows if they'd ever want me, but I'd say <laughs> like, like bashing one of their talents is maybe maybe uh, not not the most advised thing, but for sure I'm gonna say uh, I'm gonna say like when I watch someone like Wheeler Yuda, it feels like he's just going through the motions, mm -hmm. and he's got no look on his face. He's not changing his emotions. He's not making a like it's too formulaic. It's 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 like yeah. okay, this is this is what part happens in a match. And this is the next part that happens in a match. And, oh, we called this, so I got to make sure I get there and remember it. And it seems like your psychology about the storytelling is so forgotten because of, because of you knowing that this spot's got to come. Right. You, like, even if it... If, <laughs> <laughs> I'm trying to weird this in a way. Oh, dude, no, I love this. This is great. It's like... Please. It's like when when you picture what a match is going to look like yeah. while you're calling it when if you picture what a match is going to look like and you picture the reactions that you're going to get and then that then none of it none of it lines up yeah none of it lines up the way you wanted it to, to line up like 
you gotta be good enough to 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 fucking act like you've been there before and right. call an audible and i think that that's another part of me talking about eddie teaching me that that really important lesson when i was a kid when he said you you're you're fucking here because because you you believed that you deserved to be here you to to become a pro wrestler like you can you can easily you can easily be on the baseball team in your school you can be on the football team in your school you can be in the wrestling team in your school uh if you want to go to a martial arts school there's tons of them in strip malls yeah. all over the place wrestling schools are so much more rare so what we're doing is we put so much more effort into pursuing our dreams than than a good amount of folks do a, a good amount of people don't don't really go through all these channels especially back in the day we had to like seek out wrestling schools wrestling schools weren't as accessible and not as many people like talked about where you could it's, go it's wild that you bring that up there was um back in the day i mean i don't know like i collect tons of wrestling biography books like tons of them i just any kind of wrestler biography book i grab it i read it it gets added to my collection. I remember on Amazon, there was this this kid that I don't know if he had much of a wrestling background. He really didn't. But he was trying to sell a book on how to wrestle without paying for his school. And I remember flagging it. I'm like, dude, that is dangerous as fuck. You're not going to teach people how to get into a ring and teach people how to fucking know how to wrestle through a 30 like a 38 page book and i was like you you're gonna get in trouble and i fucking hit him up and i'm like you what what school did you go to he's like oh i didn't go to a school i'm self-taught it's like oh. i'm like what the fuck is how are you selling a book dude you're gonna Do get you know who else killed. claims to have been self-taught who's that john zandig oh really oh, <laughs> oh no <laughs> but he was uh he was a monster factory kid yeah, but and, that's still learning the monster yeah, factor. No, but know, I mean, he uh, would claim to be self-trained or self-taught because he, because he was. I guess he didn't want to say that he was taught anything by Larry. And right. Also, um, I guess the the trainer at the monster factory back then was this guy named Ed Atlas, and like a lot of people couldn't stand that guy. So if if he was like, oh, I was trained by Ed Atlas, no, it probably would have you probably would have gotten respected less. I got you. But at the same time, dude. Like that's scary, man. You a lot of those dudes, a lot of those dudes, and the credit doesn't get given enough. Like Justice Payne, uh, Nick Gage, uh, yeah. like CCW dudes back in back in that day, trained a lot by Dahmer. Right, right. Da Dahmer really, 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 really affected the wrestling business in so many more ways than anyone will even acknowledge. And and I, I'm so I'm I'm so grateful to be have been somebody who got to sit under the learning tree of that man. That's awesome, man. But that's what I was saying. There's so many charlatans though, that are trying to trying to teach people other ways. Like, like I said, out of a book, man, could you imagine your entire craft being summed up into 38 pages on an Amazon pamphlet? Like, I don't know, dude. And I'm only a stupid fan. Like I, at, at the end of the day, that's how I, <laughs> but, but, I'm just a fan, but. Um, that goes back to that goes back to me going like people like you need to need to exist people like that 
who would be trying to do something like that need to exist so that so that like I can continue existing in my way. Right. And right. and uh and like dude, so many people make a living off this business, off of wrestling business, way more of a living than I've ever made or will ever make off of being somebody of questionable morals. Yeah. Or being somebody who had some kind of moral compromise on themselves or somebody who didn't learn the right way. I mean. Yeah. Yeah. No, how do you, I mean, some people, some people who are very, very uh, well-known names. Yeah. 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 No, I, I I hear you. uh, Are there, they barely got trained. Right. Barely got trained, and then we're like, okay, well, oh, it's time to do this incredible stunt that everyone's going to be talking about. It's time to do this deathmatch thing that, like, it's going to light me on fire, and it's going to light my my career on fire. Now, how, how do people see that as far as behind the scenes? Because is it, is it a jealousy factor at that point, or is it like a good for you for for making it ahead of every by, by skipping the line a little bit how is that kind of seen cuz i mean to the fans the fans are just there for the show they want to see the good shows they want to see stuff like that mm-hmm. but when you're looking at the actual wrestler like is is there an inherent amount of bad juju or is it more along the lines of hey show me how you got there it's it's the the same the same exact thing where people go like hey tell me how to figure it out tell me how to get a viral video it's Uh-oh. it's the same kind of shit it's like i i don't i don't i'm not really mad at you for getting the, gotcha. the little bit of something you got gotcha. but like long term eh, like uh like that's why i said like go back to go go back to uh when when you first saw me in the wrestling business uh early 2000s mm-hmm. all those other people aren't in it anymore right none right. of those people are in it anymore i mean rare let me try to think about anybody from from like o2 ccw who's still in the business jesus christ i don't even know man uh, uh literally nobody I mean, huh a good amount of them are dead well uh, um yeah, and like, dude, that's that sucks too. Like yeah. having to come through the wrestling business and lose a lot of friends really young, knowing also that wrestlers don't have long lives, right. have long lifespans. Like they all like die real young, and it, it, and it's it's hard for me to go like, hey, hey, I, I know I know we're having a good time and you love me and you want to like spend the rest of your life with me, but like, um. My my breed of people don't live very long, right? Uh, but you didn't. I but mean, I did. I uh, for sure. I'm not. I'm not addicted to any kind of painkillers. I've right. never. I've never. I've never done that kind of thing. That's something that kills wrestlers. Uh, yeah. Steroid use. That's something that kills wrestlers. Uh, that's not. That's not. I mean, but at the same time, steroid abuse is what kills. Right. Right. Misuse. Misuse. What, right. Uh, and I. I. Um. It's like sometimes people people don't cycle off for a decade and oh, yeah well geez. And that's that's gonna that's gonna fuck your liver up and it's gonna fuck your heart up 
Um, I, I, I think that, that that's not just pro wrestling now because that, that, that type of like influencer body fitness, yeah. fitness influencer is so big now yeah. back, back, back then no. it would be rare to find a meathead. Meatheads were a rare breed back in the day. Yeah. And now they're everywhere. Huh? Cause I mean, when you think of eighties and nineties wrestling, it was a lot of meatheads. No, I was talking about not not just in wrestling. In wrestling, oh, not, in general, yeah, in, no, in, because people are people right. are trying to be Instagram uh, Instagram influencers, right? Or, oh yeah, or yeah, totally right. People who lift weight, just like, looking good, even not even right. being in anything, just being on social media looking good is is a right. drug to a lot of people, you know? Yeah, no. yeah. Uh, <laughs> what well, I think uh, Eliza Schlesinger had a, a gimmick. She had a. a, a, a uh, a bit that she used to do about like the P90X, like you're, you're, what are you, you getting prison body? You're getting a prison body so that you can work at, so that you can work at fucking Best Buy, you uh, nerd. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> who are, you know what? Oh, yeah, there's another good question. Like, who are some of your comic influences over the years? Who, who are your favorite stand up comedians? You're going to be surprised. Um, maybe you won't, but, um, Mitch Hedberg, number one. Okay. Number one all-time favorite, Mitch Hedberg. I can see that. I um, can see that one. Absolutely. Brian Regan. Okay. Dane Cook was a big inspiration for me. Um, he, he was really he, – he hit me. He came out and was on the scene at a very pivotal age. That I, I was at a very pivotal age of, like, being influenced. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I, I still say I still say Pablo Francisco all the time. I know like a lot of people don't know who that is. I'm not familiar now. But but also like 2003 when Pablo Francisco was like kind of big, he like influenced the way I spoke and the way I like would act out stuff. Right. Like just as a as a comedic person, not that I was a comedian, but um Mike Mike Berbiglia Daniel oh, wow. Tosh. Okay. Uh, really, really love John Mulaney. Okay. Uh, um, yeah. Damn, dude. That's Ryan a good Regan, case, man. Yeah. Ryan Regan. Pete Holmes. Those are some of my favorites. I love Neil Brennan. I love Dave Chappelle. I love, like, I have such a deep respect for comics, and I love, like, any new special that's on, I watch it. Yeah, like the Bill, Bill Burr, huge Ooh. fan of Bill Burr. Love, and, love the older Bill Burr. <laughs> that that new me and Joey got into that the other day. The new special, I'm just like, man, that did not hit me at all. Well, it seemed like it wasn't for him. It felt like it was for him to put over. It was yeah. like he was just putting over the the well, putting I'm over there, the young the young boys. Joey's favorite comedian is Dave Attell, and I fucking love Jeffrey Ross. Like, love him. I loved his Roastmaster stuff. And I was like, Jeff Ross is watching what he says. I'm like, that's that's not Jeffrey Ross. That's not that'd be like Andrew Dice Clay doing clean comedy. Like, what? <laughs> you know, it's not them. And I'm like, I'm like, Joe, you didn't see that? He's like, Yeah, I kind of saw it. He's like, it wasn't it wasn't a, a, a comic set for us because 
I'm like Jeffrey Ross and David Tell playing that. What do they call it? Like uh, dueling uh, bumping mics, bumping mics. Yeah, that's fantastic stuff. And they've done it on the podcast and stuff before too. And I'm like, just felt so unnatural seeing it on that special. Well, I'm like, bro, they're be- They're way too good to be that. L- it, you know what I mean? Makes, it makes me sad. It makes me very sad to know that bumping mics is happening without without Gilbert or Bob Saget yeah. around. So um I think that they both they both are feeling those very recent losses right. and it's affecting their voices. Uh I don't I don't know for sure if I that's what it think is. Think of it like that. That's a good fucking point, man. I, I really didn't think of it like that, but yeah. Uh but like Joe Joe Rogan, Joe yeah. Rogan. I love his standup. Um, Mark Normand, Todd Glass. Mm, not familiar with them either. Okay, well, check those guys out. Yeah, They're, no, I'll check absolutely. Uh, Ari Shafir has has some good specials. Tom Segura. What do you think of uh, Jesselneck? Jesselneck's awesome. I saw Jesselneck in uh, PA. He he was uh, at the casino in in. Uh, uh, Bethlehem, PA, or something. Okay. okay. I, I, uh, I went and saw Bert Kreischer. I went and saw Bert Kreischer a couple months ago, yeah. and when I was there, I got the COVID. Oh, oh no! During the crazy Russian bit, did you get it right? Oh, the, the machine. <laughs> the machine. Yes. Yeah, he, he did the machine. He can't not do the machine. Oh, that's his bit now. That's yeah. that's forever. Yeah. It's like Dane Cook and the Pickles. Yeah, that makes... but yeah. sweet and sour sauce all over my pussy. <laughs> yeah, man, Bro, that's a uh, that's quite a dais you got. You got a lot of it. It's it's way larger, dude. I have I have such a I have a fandom of comedy that is rival to my fandom of pro wrestling. Oh shit! Very good. Uh, the yeah. the 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 first stand up comic i ever saw and what made me go yeah i want to do this i was i was like six years old and i saw rosie o'donnell on vh really rosie o'donnell wow okay yeah that's and it's like i didn't even know that that was what it was i didn't even know that was called stand-up comedy like right my my mom's cousin would always tell me i should be a comedian and i was like i don't even know what that is right but but uh, i was i'm hyperactive hyperactive kid very very hyper always and and my mom my mom is such a my mom is such a sarcastic person and she's so (laughs) she's so quick-witted that she gifted me that she gifted me that wit to 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 get dad jokes to get dad jokes out there like i learned dad jokes from my single mom (laughs) that's fucking awesome dude I, i think i mean not necessarily a stand-up, but I mean, Adam Sandler was a huge, yeah. huge comedy influence. J- Jim Carrey, huge for me as a kid. Um, Norm Macdonald, David Spade, Norm Macdonald, oh, David, yeah, David Spade too. Yeah. Mm-hmm. All of those. I I used to say that my mom was sarcastic, like David Spade. I was like, if if David if David Spade was was a middle-aged lesbian, he'd be my mom. <laughs> David Spade looked like a middle-aged lesbian for a while there. <laughs> that bowl haircut. Yeah. And yeah, no, there's there's definitely some really good comedians. 
uh patrice o'neill i like oh, yeah, i love patrice mark maron mark maron i like the depressing comedies the guys who are who are dark patrice o'neill was dark comedy mark maron is dark comedy like it's it's a lot of self-deprecation stuff which is hilarious to me because it's like oh i get that you know i understand that that level of self-deprecation you know were you, were you into o and a oh loved o and a back in the day okay absolutely yeah so like yeah. jim norton and yes. louis ck yes oh my god. absolutely oh my god louis, louis, i would say right louis, there. yeah louis is louis is on such a pedestal for me as far as like genius comics yeah and and like and it's almost like it's almost like he he never he never promised to be anything better than than what he presented himself as right and uh, it's like are we gonna like all right when he was so organic right it was always about you know this is me dealing with my my fat this is me dealing with my kids this is me dealing with my girlfriend who who can't even look me in the eye like louis ck was such a great everyman comic one of one of his one of his like breakout jokes one of his like big famous jokes in the beginning was about knowing how good of a person you are by figuring out how how long after after 9-11 you jerked off? Yeah. <laughs> it was like for me, it was between the two buildings. Yeah. <laughs> like he he told you, he told right. you from the beginning that he he does he's he's okay with sucking, he's being a sucky guy sometimes. Like yeah. what he does kind of sucks. And it's uh it's masturbating. And not even just his stand-up, but his shows were both good. Yeah, lucky Louie. Lucky Louie, which was that Showtime? That was that Showtime. Was HBO. Right? Oh, it was HBO, right? And that was fucking hilarious. And then even the FX Louie, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I always felt it was messed up that he never got his shows back, but yeah. Um, yeah. did you watch his last special? He had a special just come out like a couple months ago. The he one off, had to buy it off his website. It's called. Yeah. Oh. I haven't seen it. I did know about it, but I I didn't pick it up yet. Yeah, I did know about it though. And uh, was it Shameless was the 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 one previous to that. Yeah, he's he's still trying. He's still trying to put stuff out. Yeah, yeah. Uh, what about um, what about Legion of Skanks and those guys? Do you- every once in a while, I'll hear an episode here and there. Legion like- of Skanks, Come Town. Um, mm-hmm. There's a few of them. There's a few other uh, podcast groups I'll listen to here and there. I don't think I'm religious to anything, though. Right. I, yeah. I mean, I'll just pick up like, is it a good episode? What you know? You know what it is? My influence when people start talking to me about, oh, did you listen to this week's episode? I'll be like, no. And then I'll go listen to this week's episode. <laughs> if it's something important enough for somebody to say, oh man, did you hear it? I'm like, no. And then I'll go check it out. Like, I think that's how a lot of people are with podcasts too. You know, it's like, oh, mm-hmm. this was a real good episode of Soup. You got to go check it out. Mm-hmm. Then I expect people to, you know, that's how it works. I think. Well, I, I, I have to, I have to, I have to say to you, and uh, I want to make sure I state this on the record because it's it's super important for, okay. uh, for me to say every single time how how grateful I am. The fact that uh, 
the fact that you've spent the currency of your effort hanging out with me, the fact that anybody who's listened to any episode of this show or like hung out with hung out with me and whoever my guests are, dude, it it it's it takes like you can't just turn the TV on and this be on. You can't just turn the radio on and this be on. There's extra steps that you've got to take. And the fact that you've taken those extra steps and not only took those steps, but continued to hang. Oh, sure, and man. That, this that, is a good conversation. I, <laughs> Dude, I'll stick around as long as a good conversation stays good. If I'm having fun and, and I know that people will listen to us, it's good, man. Uh, so with that being said, I want to I wanna kind of – Pass the, the question giving to you and okay. let you at this point say say or ask me anything uh, as far as like stuff that would be uh, helpful for you to get the information on. All right. I'll throw you out an interesting one. Um, hmm. What is ultimately your goal? No, no, that's that's the wrong way to say it. When you see yourself with wrestling, with with podcasting, with stand-up comedy, how is it that you want to be remembered? What do you want? What do you How do you want people to value your memory? Okay. Deep cut, man. Deep cut. I, I feel full. I feel more like I I want more than anything for for me to uh, create these memories for people while they're there. Like something that there's a valuable, valuable, valuable takeaway from any conversation I have with anybody, any match anybody ever sees, any set I ever do. I want there to be something valuable where I say on stage a lot. I'll say, like, if you take nothing else from tonight, yeah. I want you to take this really important part. Like I, it's it's like the ability to 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 zoom out and switch perspectives on things and and. Be sure that you're not sure. Uh, we did this. We did this interview years ago uh, with with Tugboat, with uh, Fred Ottman, and Fred Ottman told this story where he said, um, he said uh, when he first started getting, when he first made it into the WWF, Macho Man told him, uh, Macho Man told him. There are no guarantees in this business, Tugboat. Anybody who's gonna write, anybody who's gonna guarantee you anything in this business is more full of shit than a Christmas turkey. So <laughs> there's no guarantees in any of this, except for except for the fact that like this moment's here, and then the next one, and then the next one, and the next one. So let's be here. Let's let's be here and experience something that could be changing to the moments that follow that okay and and for sure uh i hope that somebody would like somebody would like buy a t-shirt and like <laughs> right and, no totally like, 
like I, I say this constantly. If, if there's if there's stuff I say that can be something that you apply to your life, or if it's like a saying that like you'll quote forever, and like, and you want to start using it, fucking use it. If you credit me, cool. If you don't, whatever. Because it's an it's an impression. It's an important life, like it's an important life lesson to like go. Oh, th these messages sometimes aren't just for me, and they're not for me to get credit for every single time. Right. Like for for sure, if if you want to give me the credit, I'll accept it. If you if if you want to if you want to get more ears and you want to get more eyes on me and what I'm doing, yeah, dude, like awareness like i said the representation and uh, and all that the representation is super important because bro like nobody i've ever met does all the things i do especially not doing not doing the things that i do and doing them the way i do them right and having been having been somebody who's overcome the, the things that i've overcome like and uh, and like has the perspective of like being raised by a, a poor single mom who had, who, who has MS and, and, and came out as a lesbian when I was 12 years old. Like that's not something that lots of people have no. on top of that, having a gay brother and having a gay sister who's married to a woman and, uh, you know, all, all the, all these different kinds of things, like these different perspectives on things. That's why I, I really feel like when I, when I say how important it is that everyone feels heard, whether you're right or you're wrong, you sometimes just need someone to hold space for you and acknowledge that you're valid in having the opinions that you have. So yeah. yes, the guy who's writing the book about pro how to be a pro wrestler and not pay for wrestling school, maybe maybe the money that he makes off of that book, he's gonna go use and pay for wrestling school. And then the the the, the funny part about it is when you were talking about the, the biographies, yeah. for for the longest time I wanted to release an autobiography on myself, but I I remember I I started writing it, and I was like. This is this is traveling down a bitter road, and it seems like I'm just putting putting uh, ink to paper on like the angry thoughts that I couldn't. I didn't have social media back then. I couldn't I couldn't write that stuff out. So it was like I'm. I just wanted to make sure I, I put it down. I put down the the whole project, and I was like, you know what? I'll pick this up when it can have a happier ending. I'll pick this up when I know that. Uh, I can I can make it make sense, but and then I finally got to a point where uh, podcasts started existing. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, like if if I put out a book and then like five years from now someone reads the book and they're like, hey, in the book you said this thing that uh, was completely wrong and I don't agree with, and I'm like, well, like I, I didn't have a second book out to tell you that I don't feel that way anymore. Right. But I have the opportunity on this show. To, yes. to, 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 to evolve, to evolve the way I thought about it and, 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 and grow and change. And I, it's, it, it feels like to me, the, the podcast was an alternative to having a book yeah. and telling my, my side of, of every story. 
but you know, maybe one day I'll, maybe one day I'll do it again. Maybe one day I'll start it. I, I wanted to, I wanted to call it building a castle. If <laughs> it's kind of funny, I've been playing with some new technology um, for the show. I use this program now called Descript. Without getting you know too technical, I use like Adobe Audition. I use Pro Tools. I use Magics. I use Sony Soundforge. Like I have a ton of different software that I've always fucked with, you know, in order to make the episodes. Mm-hmm. There's this new program called Descript. Is it and like Dragon software? Like, like you speak it? Close to it, mm-hmm. um, but it's also kind of in a reverse way. So it's like Dragon, where you can talk into it and it recognizes your voice and it puts your voice to text. Mm-hmm. But it's also where you can type text and it'll read out loud your voice. Mm. So it's a it's a training software. So you would train it by talking. Uh, I read like a 30 minute script of like different wrestling books and stuff. And I just started talking into the mic and it recognizes your voice and it understands your verbal patterns and your algorithms. So I can literally type out a column, hit play. And it'll sound like I did my own podcast. It's me literally talking, even though I haven't said a fucking word. Wow. And vice versa, where I can sit there and talk, and it pick up, picks up every single word like an autobiography. Me and Joey did the show last week Thursday. It was the first time I used it. Our show, which went two hours, was 53 pages on text. Wow. And he was like, man, we can make an autobiography with this thing. I'm like, yeah, in probably a week. <laughs> <laughs> so i mean the technology is so crazy now too you know i mean could you imagine just literally knocking out a whole book about your own life in one week it's, it's wild do you know um my my favorite wrestling books yeah i have to say the 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 first jericho book yes that cool. was my favorite one and the funny thing was is like around the time Around the time I read the first Jericho book uh, was uh, right after that. I was an extra in WWE and oh. I got to, I got to go there. And like in the book, he was like, Hey, if you, if you ever, if you ever meet me, come up to me and talk to me about like how you win an arm wrestling match, I'll show you. And, and I was like, I'm going to go up to Jericho and I'm going to ask him to show me how to, how to beat anybody in an arm wrestling match. For sure. I'm going to do that. And like a lot, a lot of the other cool stuff in the book was he was like, he was making jokes like the way I would make jokes. And he would say things like, Oh, like, Oh, the match ski, like you throwing skis on stuff. That's something I do. Right. Like I, a lot of it. I was like, Oh, I, I relate a lot to this guy. I feel like we get along real well. And, uh, <laughs> and, and when I went there, uh, I didn't talk to him. I was too nervous. Oh. I, I, uh, dude, Chris Jericho was was forever my favorite wrestler. Like he is an everyman. I'll be he, honest, dude. Like not just wrestling, but the dude dances, he sings, he's got a band, he's got a radio show. Like he's kind of a fucking everyman. He's he's in that same plateau with like a guy like Rogan, who's mm-hmm. doing announcing, he's doing stand up, he's doing a radio show, he's MMA and everything else like that. Like there are just some people in the world. That they can do everything. Well, I think that that 
some of that is what inspired me. He inspired yeah. me in so many ways. He was like, hey, I want to be a rock star, so I'll become a rock star. Right. He didn't come out there and he didn't say, hey, I want to be a rock star and then never do it. Like many people do. A lot of people are just so used to being reactionary to yes. what how the world happens. And they're just kind of observing their life and just learning to react to the world happening to them. And Jericho, uh, like me, I feel, is uh, uh, an intentional creator yeah. in his existence. And he I is. thought that that inspired me a lot. Yeah. I think um, uh, the, the, um, <laughs> the, the, uh, the, the funny thing was, is like, uh, he, uh, I guess somebody tweeted something. Somebody tweeted something some, some years not some years ago. It was during the lockdown. Somebody tweeted something. They were like, like, oh, it's how is he a heel? And all the fans are singing his theme song. And and I was like, the, the fans in the building, like, I responded and I, was, I replied to that tweet. And I was like, the fans in the building during the lockdown are, are, tr are trying to show the audience at home that like it's still kind of normal. It's still kind of normal. And like some of them are like people who are paid to be there. Like, oh, no. and, and, and I was like, it's just in an effort to kind of make it all normal still because things aren't normal. And, and, uh, and Jericho responded to that tweet and he was like, no, they're not getting paid. They're doing it because they're having a fun time. You jerk. Or he called me like an ass, ass clown or something, whatever yeah, Jericho yeah. says. And then like tons of Chris Jericho fans, stands, were all like, this guy don't know shit. He don't know shit about wrestling. He don't know shit about Chris Jericho. I was like, I was just talking about how like I, I'm inside of the business. I know how it works. Right. Like, I wasn't saying like Jericho sucks. I'm a huge fan of Jericho. And and then he like he like bashed me on Twitter. And like all his fans, oh, awful me. man. I'm sorry. That's and 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 I was like, I was like, I I responded and I was like, I was not in any way saying that like it's bad. I wasn't right. like, but I was like, it's been, it's been my dream to have you on my podcast. Right. I and I was like, I said I I had reached out to your agent. Your agent said, how many downloads do you get? And then she said, well, that's not enough. Contact us back when you get way more because Jericho doesn't do anything that's Below. like I'm not even gonna talk to Chris about this because it's so it's so small time. Right. I was like, oh, okay, well, all right. Well, now that Jericho is uh hitting me up on Twitter, uh I'll I'll see what he says. Nothing. Nothing. Yeah. And his fans were like, Yeah, his agent was right. You are too small. You're not a big deal at all. Nobody cares that's about you. So gross. And I was like, See, that's a different kind of gross because those people are, are, are in the vein that they think that you're trying to bully Jericho. <laughs> and it's like, like, come on. I was like, uh, that sucks, dude. That actually kind of makes me feel a little bad for you. Cause... And I go like, bro, the only, I think the only chance I ever have at making any kind of living in the wrestling business if everything goes the way it's going now yeah, yeah. would be if I get a little bit of an exposure in AEW and, uh, and then people start discovering my podcast. Right. I, I think, I think everything I do 
uh, is fit to serve every other thing I do. I want it all to be very cyclical. So when people go like, oh, this guy's a wrestler. Oh, he also has a podcast. Oh, listen to his podcast. In his podcast, he talks about how he does comedy. Oh, he does comedy. Oh, well, this guy's also an actor. He's been in a bunch of movies and TV shows and stuff. You know, he's also a wrestler. Oh, and then it jumps right back to that right. same circle that goes all the way back around. Uh, but uh, I, 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 now, now I, now I've shit all over their talent. Right. And I, I'm unprofessional piece of shit. See, that's man, that's that's difficult because I understand that from the broadcasting perspective. Mm-hmm. My show, even as as early as 2011 and stuff like that, was doing very good numbers. I mean, in 2012, we were invited as one of the top sports programs in all of Stitcher to mm-hmm. go to the awards show. I mean, we had Mark Marin literally reading off our name, you know, and, and having us up there and stuff. Um, but my college that I was going to at the time refused to acknowledge my existence. They had connections to all these different radio stations, all these different terrestrial stations. I could have even used the college campus radio and stuff like that. They refused to acknowledge it and did everything they could to hold me down. This is my college that I'm paying money for. And they did everything they could not to necessarily sabotage me, but not our problem. Whatever you do is whatever you do. And it wasn't done in a way like... I'm just this big fucking rebel against the system. But I think it was seen as you've already learned how to do this without us. Ergo, anything that you do, we don't want to be a part of it. And it's like, this was the whole reason I got into college for this was because I wanted the connections. Dude, I, my one connection was um, they wanted me to go to Bangladesh for two years, two, two and a half years. Never been to Bangladesh in my life. Would have been a hell of an experience. I would have had to have left my family behind, which was ultimately the no-sayer. But they were guaranteeing me six figures a year because they wanted American speakers. They didn't want just somebody to come over there to do radio. They wanted somebody that could speak English with an American affluent. They wanted, mm-hmm. you know, my nuances. They wanted the way I said things correctly and incorrectly at the same time. Mm-hmm. And uh, that was the only time that they reached out to help me, but it was such a big, a big jump. Like, and I, and I didn't do it. And I'll be honest, man, to this day, I still go back and I think I'm like, fuck, what would my life have been if I would have left for Bangladesh for two and a half years, you know, for a contract like that might not have ever continued doing wrestling soup. Who knows? Might've been wrestling with great colleagues. i i I hope you don't beat yourself up for that at all no but i mean you always go back and wonder and and i don't even do it in a negative way i do it in kind of a fun way like an imaginative way where you sit there and think wow all that culture that i could have done i mean i can still go to bangladesh Mm -hmm. nobody's stopping me from going over there it's just you know it's your your voice still exists. Your accent right. still exists. Your pronunciation still exists. Right. Your accent still exists. And now it's now it's even more seasoned. So right. maybe maybe at this point you could probably ask for more money. And that's the same thing with you and Jericho. I mean, you look at the way that people responded to you. 
even though this has been your career, this has been part of your life for so long. Mm -hmm. And even though they said negative things, not necessarily to stop you, but just to be that barricade for a moment, you know, it doesn't prevent you from being Corey Castle. I think the way, the way I looked at it at the time and what I said, what I even said to him, and, I, and, and I'm sure so, so many people follow him and so many people say so many things all the time that it, I'm, so, I'm so forgettable in the, the amount of interactions as far as like, you know, like I'm sure, I'm sure if he gets somebody that says a comment that he doesn't find to be nice, I'm sure he doesn't like look at their profile and see who they are. <laughs> like he'll probably only yeah. quote the tweet or, or you know, just tweet back at it or whatever like i don't and and i remember saying like i'm gonna get there there is definitely way more than one more than one way up the mountain and i'll I'll get there i'll get there and and like you you can you can join me when i'm there if you'll if you'll be cool enough but like I, i i will continue to want what I want and I'll continue to dream how I dream and no, like no, like nasty tweets are going to, going to pull me off my track. You know? Yeah. I, I have, I have, I have bigger dream guests than Chris Jericho. Right. Like, right. I, I mean, I, he is for sure. Uh, he's been my favorite wrestler since I was a kid. Sure. And, and for sure it is a dream guest of mine, but it's not the dream guest. It's right. not the only dream I've got. Corey, this has been amazing, dude. But uh, I got to bounce a little bit, man. Um, thank you for having wanna, me on, man. Quick, quick, quick two things. Sure. And then I'll send you off into the sunset with a hot dog and a handshake. All right. This, this segment I do on the show usually starts wrapping it up. I call it audio time travel. Okay. okay. So this 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 audio, this video, this platform, this is going to outlive us. Sure. One of one of us isn't going to be around. One of us isn't going to be around to listen back to it. Right. And the other one is still going to be here. So not just that. I I found that was like really important for me. Like I I remember my mom when I first was deciding to start this my mom had she had saved these voicemails that her mom had left her and she's like you know how like when people die you forget what their voice sounds like Mm. and i was like i don't want that for me so i want to make sure a lot of the things i do and say on the record uh get mentioned like uh i had i had a really good friend of mine was on the podcast and we said all this really really important uh sentimental things to each other and then and then he then he passed away and that helped me through the mourning process a lot. Mm. So th- that that being said, this on the record stuff, I'm going to say uh, audio time travel is, uh, let's say, let's say 20 years from now, who knows where we're going to be. So in in uh, tw- 2042, you're speaking directly to the people who care the most about you, your biggest fans, your your biggest supporters, your wife your kids, if you happen to have kids and between now and 20 years from now, you're speaking directly to those people. What, what messages can you give to those people that are time stamped on how to be a better version of yourself tomorrow than you are today? 
Watch your credit score. <laughs> My God, watch your credit score. Uh, it's kind of a running gag with me and Joe. But it's true. It was like, because Joey asked me that one before, too. Not not exactly like this, but he's like, yeah, what's something that you wish you could have learned a lot earlier? And, um, and I think he was expecting some kind of, like, deep revelation about humanity and the and the and the structure of how we we do things and i'm just like oh i wish i had a better credit score when i was younger <laughs> oh but um something something I, I i frequently say that uh that i don't think gets gets mentioned enough they don't they don't chisel your credit score on your gravestone yeah that's true that's thank good thank goodness for that or else i'd have a really small headstone <laughs> It'd be underneath the earth. It'd be like a cup, uh, <laughs> dude. I just, I just uh, respl- replied to a, a tweet earlier. This guy said, "Like, hey, do you think anyone's ever, you think anyone's ever effed in a casket before? Like, had had sex inside of a oh, casket?" Yeah. And I was like, "What? You never heard of the Mile Under Club?" <laughs> I like that. That's good. Mile Under. Uh, oh, so, good. Uh, uh, as far as yeah. Hypothetically, I'd give you this show. This has been the first episode, the pilot episode of your new podcast, Evolving with Anthony Missionary Thomas. Uh, in a very Jerry Springer's final thought type of way, uh, you want to wrap it up in a pretty little bow. And the most important takeaways from this conversation. And, uh, you know, how, how, can, how, can other people, how can other people be inspired to evolve? Oh, wow. Um look in the mirror. I would say that that was one of the more important lessons. Look in the mirror and instead of judging your faults, take, uh, take Corey's challenge here and uh, not only judge your faults, but look at the positives that you've made since you thought you were your perfect self. I love that. I thought that was a really nice, wise piece of advice there. Even though it was a challenge, it was good advice in itself. Um, Be open to a lot of different things. Don't pigeonhole yourself into one identity. You know, I mean, you yourself, you do stand up, you've been in movies, you've been a wrestler, you know, it's, it's all different aspects and avenues of your life that you've tried to excel at all of them instead of one thing, you know, and I've always felt the same way too. It's, it's, there's, there's a lot of different prospects to go on. You're, you are not your job. You are your passion. You are not your job. You are your passions. And, um, the final thing that I would say that this episode was important for is just looking back on the structure of way society changes when viewing you. The way that you stand in 2002 is completely different than the way that you stand now at 2022. Although it might might be a little achier for you now. Digging <laughs> yeah. lots of bumps. <laughs> it might be a little more creaky in the morning. My, my, my bump card's... My bump, I, 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 I got two of them. Did you at least get a free sub? <laughs> they, they, they gave me two bump cards. <laughs> I got, I got a, I got a pre-brain surgery bump card and a post-brain surgery bump card. Uh, yeah, that's a big, that's a big one. Wow. <laughs> I mean, that's important to not only value who you are, but to value the way other people see you as well. You know, I like that, dude. I, I thought that the show was pretty leaned back i'm happy to have done it now i'm curious about going back and listening to some of your other episodes so there you go there's another question i have for you out of 
your 276 episodes. What's uh, one of your favorites? Um, I, I think, I think I'll have to say, uh, my episode I did with my mom was my favorite. Um, I got to say to my mom some stuff and I got to hear her say some stuff that I didn't know, like very like important shit that I'm going to take with me for the rest of my life. And, um, my, my episodes I've done with my girlfriend, Alyssa. So uh, those, those have been really important and, uh, really, really fun and good and interesting and entertaining because the, the first conversation her and I ever had was just like this. This is the first conversation that you and I have ever had like this long. It's this is the same kind of thing. This is like how her and I got acquainted with each other. So right. it, it's, it's, uh, it's, it's really a cool timestamp on where I was and where I'm headed. Nice, man. Very cool. Do you do any impressions of anybody? Oh, not anymore. I'm horrible at impressions. The impression guy on our show was always John Draper. He was always the impression guy. Okay. You know, but when you say not anymore, what ones did you do? I used to do Triple H. Correct. Yeah. Wow. I can't. My my voice is a little too. I can't. I can't get it right no more. <laughs> so, in your best version of your Triple H impression. Can you say the way we wrap up the show, we usually say, be fun, have safe, keep evolving. Be, mm. be fun, uh, keep evolving, uh. <laughs> stay safe. Uh. It's horrible, dude. I'm not even a, thank you so much, man. Thank, thanks for, thanks for hanging with me. Thank you, uh, I, I hope we get to do this again. I'd yes. be happy. I'd be happy to be a guest on your guys' show anytime for Absolutely. sure. Absolutely, it, it, it'd be a dream come true for me. Thank you, Corey. Uh, Dude, I it, this you. this was important to me, and uh, I'm 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 fucking excited that you did it. Um, Dude, this is great. Uh, I'm excited that we're friends now. Absolutely. Absolutely. Before we were just peripherally people who knew of each other. Yes, the Facebook circles. Yes. yes. Well, like, bro, I've been a big fan of you for a long time. Oh, I appreciate the hell out of that, man. Thank so uh, it's you. it's cool to know. It's cool to know that you I didn't even know that you you listened to our show. That's that's how wild this is, man. This is cool as fuck. Everybody, everybody listening, if this is the first time you've checked out the show, maybe take the challenge of going back and checking out old episodes, making sure, making sure also you subscribe so that you catch all new episodes and hit the like and subscribe, share, comment, make sure. I love to know that you guys exist. So yeah. if you comment, I can absolutely know that you exist. I want you to also know that I very much exist. And if you want to reach out to me, <laughs> just for free conversation, I will absolutely respond to you. I'm not a hard person to get a hold of. Dude, be, be kinder. Be kinder to yourselves. Be kinder to others. Be fun. Have safe. Keep evolving. Appreciate it. Oh.